podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Hear more about our next Marvel gear and goods crate from Loot Crate later on in this episode. This week in Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 283. Oh, it's pretty good. I got good wins. You were really seconds. That's not easy. I can do better. I'll try better next time. Uh, I'm Ryan Panagos, VP and Executive Editor, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M. Uh, Ben Morse is not here. Aww. He's on vacation in Los Angeles uh, fighting with the Raiders as I understand it in the news. Yep. The Raiders are there. Something? I don't know. They Sports. Yeah. I think they're moving. They are. Okay. They're moving. Uh, but in his stead we have two guests, one of which is here for the beginning part of the show. We're going to talk about the new comics out this week. Mm. That's Ricky Purden. Hello, I'm Ricky Purden, talent manager here at Marvel. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. This is your like fifth or sixth Fourth, fifth, third, fifth, sixth, yeah, third? Yeah, and it's perfect because um, I am getting chubbier and more bald and tired looking, <laughs> so I've got a perfect podcast voice. Yeah, you're <laughs> crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't put me on camera. <laughs> and uh, we also have our intern, Nick. Hey, what's going on? They gave me a mic. I'm moving up. Uh-oh. Yeah. For now, but you got your phone on the table. So that's for just... notes. It's for notes. Okay, I okay. Um, that's fine. I can give you a sheet of paper if you need. <laughs> okay, great. So if you're just joining us, uh, usually it doesn't have 15 seconds of me holding a note at the beginning of the show, but we do go through the new comics out this week. Print, digital, collections, single issues, all that good stuff. Then we're going to talk about the news for this week. For that section, I'm going to kick Ricky out and bring in Chris Delando, yeah, who's on our PR team, and he's going to talk a little bit about some news. Um, it'll, be, it'll be swell. Uh, just before we came in here, we launched the trailer for the Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale game. Awesome. So that looks was fun. Great. Yeah, looks it looks great. really good. Um, Thanos has a great line in it. He's like, Guardians, show me how you die. Whoa! Ooh. Yeah. He's yeah. putting his foot down. Ugh. That's yeah. brutal. Yeah. It was interesting. It's cool, cool, cool. Uh, so we'll get to a lot more news later on in the show. But first up, we're talking about new issues out this week. Um, normally we pick three each. I've picked three. Uh, Ricky's on taking on the two Prime issues mm-hmm. this week, X-Men Prime and Inhumans Prime, as well as he's going to talk a little bit about the Resurrection Primer just to let you guys know what's coming up in the X-Men and in, I think, is, is it just X-Men? Both. Both. Yep. Yep. The Resurrection books, so a lot of fun new titles coming out. But first up, my first pick is Black Widow number 12. Yeah. Written by Chris Somney and Mark Wade. Art by Chris Somney and Matt Wilson. This is it. This is the last part of 
the issue mm-hmm. this of, of the series right which breaks my heart yeah i mean it's like a damn near perfect 12 issue black widow series. yes it is so good um you know not natasha she's seemingly you know flipped on shield but really she was all about trying to protect shield and keep them safe from uh just the worst uh her her main enemy recluse who is the daughter of the headmistress who trained black widow uh and now recluse has her own group of potential future Black Widow-level assassins. Uh, but this is the big throwdown between Black Widow and Recluse. Recluse is also a type of spider. It's a type See of spider. See what they did? Brown, brown Recluse. Oh, that, that's the one that like makes your arm disintegrate, Yeah, right? yeah. It, like, or melts wherever you. bites you. Yeah. Only if it bites you in the leg, the arm disintegrates. <laughs> You're like, why? why? <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's really interesting because Recluse is trying really hard to basically be the headmistress she's trying to take over that role and be the the person who is directing this new generation of assassins um she's trying to keep them under her thumb show a little bit of tenderness but really like show that she's in control right. whereas black widow is like no we should you should you are young girls be free you should live lives. You should not have to deal with any of this. Yeah. You do not want the life that either of us has led. Um, so you do not. You should not have to go down that way. So you can see, and it's amazing storytelling by Somni and Wilson. Yeah. Just in facial reactions, and so I'm looking at a panel which has three of the girls, and they're wearing these helmets, and all you can see are their eyes, and it's red. But you can tell, like just from the way they're standing and from their eyes how much is running through their heads it's just it's really this is mark and uh chris are an incredible storytelling team and matt uh really really great together so then throws down this big fight between black widow and recluse um there's this great you know moment with uh it's not a waterfall it's like inside a power plant right but uh where you seemingly where it seems like recluse dies or gets thrown over but she is crafty uh widow is saved by the girls there's still more fighting to be had more decisions to be made and um ultimately the the last punch thrown is an emotional one it hits you in the heart not uh from widow or recluse you know to to win the fight it's it's a bigger thing than that it's really really great it's really powerful and there's some awesome sweet moments at the end when you know shield comes saves the day it's interesting too because this takes place before the events of civil war 2 number eight right so if you're flipping through it and you get to a point where you see tony stark talking to maria hill and black widow You'll see in the very beginning of the book that says this takes place before Civil War Two Number Eight, before Tony went into his coma and became all AI and all stuff. Um, it is an incredible end to a really fantastic series. Um, there's a three page, two pages of letters, and then one page of just the team saying goodbye and thank yeah. you and how much fun they had and how much they love each other and just a damn fine bit of comic booking yeah it's nice like it's the kind of book that if somebody in your family or a friend likes the avengers movies and likes red or black widow like you could just give this whole book to them yeah it's fun it, it, it goes back to the origins of the character but adds to the origins too it's it's really it's a great story yeah it's you know i am not a hugely well-versed person in black widow's history but yeah. this ad this added three major arch villains for her mm-hmm. like characters that were her villains. Right. Not like she was 
part of the Avengers. It's like because she's not had a ton of issues like Cap or Iron Man or Thor. This was something where you can look back and like Recluse can come back at some point. Yeah. Or you know when we had Yelena, the other Black Widow, like that's a really established great villain. So I love seeing. You know these books bringing in characters for Natasha to, to, to play off of. Yes, yeah. fantastic. In the future, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm next. You are. I'm next. You, you did it. I'm talking about Inhumans Prime. Uh, I guess number one. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is a one shot. It's it's written by Al Ewing, uh, art by Ryan Sook and Chris Allen, uh, inks by Walden Long, Sook and Keith Champagne, and colors by Paul Mounts. This book uh, this book is one of two out this week that deal with the fallout from the Inhumans versus X Men uh, event series that just happened. Um, it kind of sets the way. It doesn't kind of. It definitely sets the way for <laughs> what the future of the Inhumans titles are. Uh, and I want to mention cover by John Boy Meyer. Um, John, John Boy's doing the um, Royals book that spins out of this as well. But uh, basically what this does is kind of put some pieces in place. After the Inhumans vs. X-Men series uh, and some previous Inhumans events, the Inhumans as a whole are kind of uh, torn apart. Um, Some regular uh, Inhumans characters like Triton are now stuck with Maximus, the evil uh, twisted brother of Black Bolt. Blackagon Boltagon? Blackagon Boltagar? Blackagon Boltagar. Boltagar. Yeah. Uh, Uh, First up, though... Abalert. Oh, beautiful. Pew! Abalert. Like, I'm all about them abs, and we get them in full force right here in the beginning. Yeah, page two. Page two. Uh, That's that's Marvel Boy's abs. One of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe because of the Grant Morrison series. With J.G. Jones. Yeah. That was just so good. There was a Runaway Civil War series back in the day that brought him into the Marvel U. He was rad in Young Avengers uh, with McKelvey and... uh, and Gillen. Gillen. And so uh, so it's fun to see him start to kind of play with the Inhumans too because the Inhumans for the last few years have been the royal family and then uh, a bunch of new Inhumans that have uh, come out because of the Terrigen Mists uh, spreading across the world. So it's fun to see... Um, it's fun to see Marvel Boy kind of start uh, interacting with the larger uh, scene. Also, mm. they mentioned at the beginning of this that um, Marvel Boy isn't from this reality, which is something I think people forget. He's not actually from the uh, what was previously the Marvel 616. He's from a different universe entirely. So uh, this isn't his world. Um Here's reality. So we see a showdown between um, Triton and Maximus uh, and Karnak and Lockjaw, which quickly turns into uh, a fight with the larger Inhumans group. Um, there's this rad spread from Ryan Sook that shows all the major Inhumans characters, including Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and Lockjaw and Miss Marvel, uh, a bunch of cool characters, really cool spread. Before you even get there, so the Unspoken is part of... Maximus's little band of merry jerks. Yeah. And I love his power because he just feeds on Terrigen to power up. And when he powers up, it's kind of different every time he does it. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that lends a cool thing for artists to play with because like in when he powers up here, he's giant minotaur looking dude with green lightning. Four on. hands and oh, yeah. yeah. Just imagine the action he gets. <laughs> <laughs> the forehand action. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's a cool. It's a cool character. And when he's not powered up, he's this kind of gross, like withered old vulture man kind yes. of uh, look. Um, but Ryan Sook's art is so good. Oh, beautiful. Ryan Sook is legitimately one of my favorite living artists. There's a sequence during the fight between um, Triton and Karnak. Uh, a mind-controlled Karnak, where uh, it's just a—it's like the penultimate panel on this page, 
where the Sith scythe that Triton has is stuck in a rock in the foreground and in the background they're tumbling around and wrestling but it creates this kind of motion line with mm. the props in the front just really nice smart storytelling from Sook is it true that you discovered Ryan Sook? Um, it's true he was um, a baby <laughs> in an alleyway <laughs> When I found him, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Ryan Sucks were working for a long time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you get um, you get this cool fight between all of the Inhumans' main characters. Reader shows up. Reader's an Inhuman who can, he's blind, but he can read Braille, and anything he reads in Braille actually happens. So he does this really cool uh, time uh, time jump with his powers. He's one of my favorite characters. I mean, Charles added so much to the Inhumans' lore. Charles Soule, yeah, yeah, yeah Charles Soule and Reader with his dog, just one of my favorite things about the Inhumans. Yeah, he added weird, like, not weird, he added just specific additions to the to the universe, and so Reader was cool, there's another guy that's like... Frank McGee, Nur. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the oh. hospital lady, I can't remember her name, um, but Do- she... Dr. Hospital. Dr. Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, he added a lot of cool different ideas to the mythos, and so this book, like I said, brings together all that stuff with a, a big cool fight spotlights for all of the characters um, cool little moments for everybody um, then we jump to uh, Maximus finally in jail after some stuff he's pulled off recently um, he's kind of baiting his brother Black Bolt uh, into uh, a bigger emotional conflict um, he makes Black Bolt grumpy he won't talk to his wife and Medusa later uh, when they run are into they each other still the married? Are they I mean married? I guess they are they never officially I mean, like in, in their culture, divorce. in their you know country, their rules is is divorce a thing? Yeah. Is it just like peace out? Oh, we're back together. Sure. Take some time off. To, yeah. To figure I don't themselves know. Out. I'm curious about you know marital relations in the inhuman culture. He he literally when he when Black Bolt like ignores Medusa in the hallway, he goes and stands in the rain outside. Like and then it starts raining. <laughs> that just, is like, the stays most there. emo. He's so emo. Yeah. He can't talk about he it. He can't talk. He wears mostly black. His voice can shatter mountains. Oh. Yeah. Ugh, in hearts. <laughs> but ultimately, this leads to Maximus being on uh, on trial in front of the rest of the Inhuman, um, uh, the living Inhumans. Medusa uh, breaks up the uh, hierarchy of queens and kings and princesses and things in the Inhumans universe. I, this feels like it's the beginning of a new democratic leadership system for the Inhumans, uh, which will surely be explored next. Um, and uh, we kind of get um, just a little bit of a tease at the end that, uh, you know, in IVX, if you haven't read it, the Terrigen clouds have all disappeared now. There's no more Terrigen to create new Inhumans, which is what birthed the Inhumans. Um, so everyone's kind of bummed, and they're like, this is this generation that we have right now is the last generation. But well, maybe not. Maybe not. You never know because of that last page. Yeah. We'll see. But what I also liked is there's that the montage. Yeah. Two or three pages of just these really cool vignettes of where like the Inhumans are going, right. what they're doing. You get to see, you know, Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur, Ms. Marvel, uh, Lockjaw. You get to see Karnak and Triton, and you know various other Inhumans. I think it just 
It felt like a cool moment. Right. It just shows this isn't the end. Everyone's going to – all the stories that lead out of this start here. Right. And, um, and so in the end, you get a couple of pages of previews of the books that are coming up, the new titles in the Inhumans family like Royals, uh, which launches right away, Secret Warriors, which is a, a team of young Inhumans characters like Moon Girl and I'm Quake. on the, ti- I'm on the, um, on the team. You're on the team because you're an Inhuman? Yep. What's your Inhuman power again? Uh, I make clogs appear on people's feet. Just out of nowhere? When? I want them to. Like wooden? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Otherwise, why yeah. bother? And it's weird because I can't make anything else wooden appear. It's just clogs. Just clogs. Oh my god. Yeah, so they call me the clogger. The clogger? What's yeah. your real name? Is it Rydagon Panagagnos? Yep. Okay. Yep. That's what I thought. Rydagon Panagagnos. Is your whole outfit made out of wood? No, just I can't the, do anything just, with the other. Just the clogs, right? Just the clogs. Just a pile of so clogs. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I wear them like like a necklace. Uh, the the Secret Warriors book looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Matthew Rosenberg writing with Javier Grown on art. Oh, my God. Love Javier. Javier, Javier is incredible. I'm so glad we've got him doing more and more. And Obviously, I like Matt. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, he's he's kind of a turd, but I like him. <laughs> kind of. No. Um, no, he's not. He's and not and the, to round out the Inhumans books uh, launching, there's Black Bolt number one, with, uh, who's ri- what's written by Saladin Ahmed and with art by Christian Ward from the Ultimates books. Yeah, recently. that is going to be a really cool book. Yeah, I'm very good. psyched. I love following Saladin on Twitter, and he's just he's fun. It's really interesting. I think it's the first thing he's done for us. Yeah, it is. And yeah. having Christian on uh, like a regular book, it, it's all really cool. But yeah, this book launches the, the the future of Inhumans, and I think it's a strong start. And there's a lot of cool mysteries going on, so a lot of stuff to look forward to. I really like this book. Yeah. All right, my turn. I've got Occupy Avengers number five. Occupied. Written by David F. Walker, art by Gabriel Her- Gabriel Hernandez Volta, uh, colors by Jordi Belair. This is a great team. Yeah. Right, right off the bat, that creative team makes me really happy. Ricky Duino is um, Gabriel doing an arc? Is he on the book for longer? He's is- he's now he's now the regular artist <gasps> in the series. Yeah, that makes me so happy. Yeah, this is his first work after Vision. Vision. Yeah. Yeah. So I know how much everybody loved Vision and. We love Tom King. Yeah. I'm sad he retired from comics. Yeah. But he's long gone. Long gone. Uh, <laughs> but Gabriel's still here. And part of why you love that book is because of the storytelling choices that Gabriel put into it yeah. as well. So that I think you should definitely should be a reason to check out Occupy Avengers. And it's definitely one of the reasons why I love this book. Yeah. Um, and it opens up and David Walker is just he's firing on all cylinders. It's really good. It opens up in a real like I don't know, Fargo-ish mystery type thing? Yeah. It opens in Frozen Over Montana, and someone gets shot in the head. Then to Hard Times Nevada, same thing. Black Rock, Arizona, same thing. Okanoke, Pennsylvania, same thing. It's these seemingly really nasty people shooting other people in the head. Right. And you don't... It's it's a very, like, two pages, this is the setup for this story going forward. Boom. Then we go to Dunstan, Iowa. (laughs) Great town. Is Which that made is, up? Is that real? I don't know. Oh, man. Shout uh, out had, to Dunstan. If we could actually access internet in here, we could do some research. <laughs> but in this room, we cannot no, get on the internet. Yeah. Um, the, it opens up with uh, their, like, A-team van, the uh, the event, the, the team's A-team van, um, which is all high-tech and souped up, uh, being towed because something went wrong. They're going through Dunstan, uh, Iowa, which smells like poop. Mm-hmm. Because... That's they manufacture manure and they make money off of it. Yep. It's a really interesting thing. Uh, but you know, you've got um, Tilda 
and Red Wolf there. Uh, they're they're great. We we sort of have a narration by one of the inhabitants of the town, and it, like taking that tactic, I love because you you're not necessarily you're looking at it from a viewpoint of a whole new character. Yeah. Um, while still seeing like Hawkeye, Red Wolf, Tilda, and that. Adds a whole different layer to it. Yeah. I think that's another reason why this book clicked with me immediately because we've got a perspective even more like our level. Because this team is definitely closer to like normal people, right? right. It's Hawkeye, Red Wolf. He's I don't know. I th- he might have some powers. He in, in the first issue they explained like he had a, he developed a he, he displayed a power at the end of the Red Wolf miniseries, but it, it was a thing he could only do once. So he doesn't have powers. Right. There's a team of unpowered people. Yeah. And Tilda's just super smart. Yeah. And super horny. Right. It is fantastic. Always. She is trying to bone Red Wolf. All the, there's a, a full scene where they're in a hotel. They could only get one hotel room in this town. Uh, there's two beds in there. And um, she's like, uh, Wolfie and I can share a bed. Hope you brought some earplugs, Barton, because I'm going to make him howl at the moon. <laughs> she's, <laughs> like, she's like a creepy smile. The best part like, is Red Wolf is just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. He, he doesn't, you, we don't know if they're in the bone zone. Right, right. But nah, they're in the bone zone. We, I, I hope so, <laughs> yeah. because it makes me really happy. And then uh, Hawkeye's just like, oh, just... You know, if you start to, you know, put the do not disturb sign out because I don't want to walk in on that. Right. Uh, it's really great. But this town has secrets. That's what we learn immediately. They. I, I also really dug the fact that the the team comes into this town and they're, right. not, they're not in costume. Everything's sort of, you know, seemingly kosher. Uh, and you would think, well, you know, how are they going to find out who these people are? They use the Internet. Mm-hmm. They immediately, like, the townspeople figure it out right away. Yeah. It, it was good. It didn't feel, like, these people are smart. Right. These people are capable. It adds a, a really good layer of agency to them and what they're doing. But they're obviously Avengers. They're, this town is obviously harboring secrets. So things are going to go bad for everyone, it seems. Then we get a great moment where Hawkeye needs help. He needs a mechanic to fix their van, which is definitely superpower. Like, souped up is not something that any old mechanic can work on. Uh-huh. So um, he has to he has to make some calls. Um, and he has to make some calls. Yeah. Uh, we'll see who he's calling, the, the first person he's calling um, a little bit later. Then he has to call uh, a mechanic. So he calls two different people who show up later in the issue, which were two people I was not expecting at all. Right. But uh, hopefully you can shed some light on one of them. Flash back to, uh, flash over to Nebraska, where again, these people who are murdering others are consistently going and killing more and more people. They're looking and tracking down very specific people for a very specific reason. Obviously, you can tell it's leading us to this town. In town, we get to see that Manifold shows up. Oh, I love that name. Manifold is the best. Yeah. And I'm glad we get to see him here. We get to see him in Black Panther. Uh-huh. But he shows up because Clint owes him money. <laughs> he owes him like a, a good sum of money. Yeah, because uh, it's got a band around it. Any any stack of money with a band, it's real. Yeah. Uh, so okay, it's Vegas money. Yeah, Barton pays him back, pays Manifold back in order to for Manifold to go and get uh, Wheels Walensky. Right. I don't know who that is. I feel like I've like he's it, like on the periphery of 
things I know. Yeah. But Ben Ben would be like, oh yeah, Wheels Walensky. He was in. <laughs> I think Wheels. Wheels was there was a there was a New Mutants spinoff book called like Fallen Angels. Fallen Angels. So I that's think, what it is. I think Wheels is it in was, that. Yeah, it was uh, Franklin Richards was in it. Right. Um, two of the Power Pack. I think so. I think. Uh, I think you're right with Wheels. And was Boom Boom in it? No. Maybe a, a girl with like a headband was um, it? <laughs> who sunglasses. are the other two that that ran off from the New Mutants? Remember they they're like two that split off before the rest of the team sort right. of became X Force. Right. Uh, Rusty and Skids. Yep, 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 it might yep. be yes, Rusty yes, yes, and yes, Skids. Yes, 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 yes. That's it. Yeah. This is how we do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we could be completely wrong here. Well, you know what? Like I didn't realize that Tilda was an established character in the Marvel Universe until issue four of this book. Yep. You're talking about five, but four goes through her history. I should have looked her up. But there's a whole thing about how she used to run a pack of werewolves, and she had like this weird like bikini outfit, and then she fought and almost killed Captain America, like all this stuff. So like, David Walker is like digging deep in Marvel continuity it's for stuff, great. which is fun. It makes me so happy. It makes you want to go read the the stuff that he's referencing. Like, totally. I want to learn more about Wheels now. Yeah, hundred percent. And the, it's not just like okay, cool, Wheels. He's this amazing mechanic, and he also has beef with Clint Barton. Right. Like, Immediately off the top, um, like he's making fun of Barton to manifold and like you know talking smack, and it's just terrific. It's really really great. Uh, but you know, Wheels seemingly will be part of the crew from now on, which right. is awesome. I love this team. Um, unfortunately, things are going down crazy. In the middle of the night, Red right. Wolf is running through yeah. the town. Yeah, like there's he's, just something quirky about this book. He's a wolf. He's, he's got to run, he's dude. He's got to run. He's just taking a nice run. Follows evening, the night. Evening run through the town. Uh, Tilda's getting some coffee at the local diner. People with guns show up. And then, boom, the, the pieces start falling. I, I figured out what... I assumed what was going to happen right. sort of midway through the book, which is great because this is the kind of story I really love. Yeah. When you get to the reveal, which is on the very last page, uh, or you get a, a big hint right before the end, and then the big reveal at the, the last page, it's like, ah, this right. is great. It's a really cool story. I'm not going to spoil it for you guys, but I think David Walker um, is is really crafting a great story, and now that we have Gabriel Hernandez-Walta and Jordi Belair on it, it is... Wow. Solid covers by Paolo Sequeira. I miss Carlos Pacheco, but yeah. we'll talk about this a little bit later. Carlos is moving on to other things. Oh. Yeah. But is it's he, very cool. Very cool stuff. drawing my life story? He's drawing the story <laughs> of you. It starts uh, on that doomed planet Great. that you lived on. Yeah. And goes from there. Clogagon? Clogagon. number yeah. one coming <laughs> summer 2017. Yeah. All right. You're up next, Rick. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about this book. This is the uh, Resurrection Spotlight. Resurrection. Yeah. So we just wanted to go through this real quick, just in case you didn't pick it up at your local comic shop, because yeah. I think it's a freebie. It's free. Totally free. It's like it's And it's thick. Yeah. And color and nice. Uh, it's a preview book of what's coming up for the Resurrection titles. Yeah. And and not just previews of, of what's in, inside with completed pages, you know, lettering and everything. It also features some profiles and some Q&As of some of the creators that are coming in, like Cena Grace, who's going to be writing uh, the Iceman book. And it talks a little bit about, like, Al Ewing, who's handling Royals, uh, Guggenheim, and, and Artie and Saif, who are working on X-Men Gold. Um, so it's cool to get, it's kind of like an interactive, not interactive, it's, a, it's, a, it's more than just, here's 
here's a bunch of preview pages I could see online. This is a fun little booklet that tells you what's coming up to kind of get you psyched because I'm psyched for a resurrection. Like uh, the Inhumans and the X Men books kind of get an, an injection of beef, beef, a beef injection. Nope, no. Nope. Uh, pause. Getting yeah, pause. Uh, getting an injection of like fun and new life. Um, um, so you know, it starts off with a preview of X Men Gold number one, uh, which again, Artie and Syaf, Jay Lyston, uh, Frank Martin on color, uh, Guggenheim writing, um, and just kind of like what's going on with the new team. Um, it rolls into X Men Blue preview with Jorge Molina uh, on, you know on art and Matt Milo on colors. I love Jorge Molina. Yeah, so written good. by Colin Bunn. And as I've seen art from issue two, it, it get, gets better and better. A pre- quick preview of Royals by Al Ewing and, and John Boy Myers. Um, quick preview of Prime, uh, Inhumans Prime and, and X-Men Prime, which I'll talk about in a bit. Uh, quick preview of Iceman, art by Alessandro Vitti. Uh, I don't know anything. I'm not familiar with Cena Grace's work. I've seen his name yeah. a bunch, and I've seen him on Twitter and stuff like that, but I don't know his work. Cena was an editor for Kirkman's books at Skybound for uh-huh. a long time before Aubrey Citizen. Marvel's Aubrey Citizen moved over there. And Cena's written a lot of um, slice-of-life stuff about personal projects. And he, he wrote, uh, I believe, and drew Little Depressed Boy at Image. So he's got a lot of smaller uh, 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 smaller indie projects. Um, so when Daniel Ketchum, editor Daniel Ketchum in the X Group, was looking for somebody new for the series... Um, he he thought Cena had that kind of uh, perspective that the Iceman book needed. Um, and there's a preview of Jean Grey, written by Hopeless, Dennis Hopeless, the very handsome Dennis Hopeless. There's a collectible Dude, photo. What he like? Of what happened? <laughs> like, You're gonna say what happened? He, he was always yeah. gonna, like he like just went whoa. Yeah. I saw him in New York Comic Con. I was like, yeah. hey guy. He got he's got this cool haircut. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's just ice blue eyes. There's a picture of Dennis Hopeless in this. This preview magazine is worth getting just for the photo of Dennis Hopeless. Yep. You won't regret it. <laughs> and you're going to be like, I want that haircut. You're going to bring that to your barbershop. To your barbershop. Or your salon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or your Floby, and you're going to be like, Or give your me mom. This. Yeah. And be like, Mom. Mom. Tighten it up. Give me this. But, give me the Hopeless. But yeah, give me the Hopeless. <laughs> Jean Grey, number one. Uh, art by Victor Abanez. He's stepping up his game. Colors by John, uh, John David Ramos. Uh, covers by David Yarden. And then there's a preview of the new cable book which looks so dope it's uh it's got art by carlos pacheco which i just mentioned he was moving on to something else there's like really cool i i so weird i never knew i never thought that i would miss cable until i miss cable all the time it's uh, until I love him. recently when he showed up in the jerry dugan ryan segman uncanny avengers run and it just like i like he he looks so rad yeah like and i'm letting myself love it yeah, you, know? you got to just let it love. And then he's fighting these like ninjas that have pixelated like ninja swords. This oh, book is so written cool. by James Robinson. Um, it looks awesome. I'm really excited for it. I don't know. I don't have any inside info on Deadpool 2. Obviously, everybody's talking about Cable. But Rob Liefeld, one of the co-creators of Cable, retweeted an artist who had done a digital like concept of Brad Pitt as Cable. Whoa. Oh my and I was God. like it, good? it was too it was honestly it was too sexy. It was too I much. was like <laughs> I was like he needs to be thicker. Yeah. He needs to be like yeah. you know burdened by more. Right. Cuz like it was like abs and like the little V that goes you right. know like yeah, it was yeah. just like can't I was like see, I can't handle it. Ryan's because, blushing right now. Yeah. I found out that that V is called the pecunial fold. I looked that up. <laughs> Uh, do you remember in the X Men animated series? There's a bit where Cable's like walking down a street, and then like 
at like a road in the middle of nowhere and then Wolverine like stumbles out of the bushes and Cable's like wild man of Borneo huh <laughs> see you later and then just walks away I'm gonna that. send you that clip later it's so ridiculous <laughs> so anyways there's also a preview of uh, the new generation X uh, series from writer Christina Strain um, who I'm works I'm so happy she's back yeah, doing stuff for us she works on a television show um, shoot it's called like the the Magicians? Yeah, she works on The Magicians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about watching that mm-hmm. just because I hear pretty good things. Yeah. But if she's working on it, yeah, I now, watch now it. you got to. It. Yeah. Uh, they basically, I've been told it's like grown up Harry Potter with boning. Yes. Whoa. From what I've heard. From I mean, that's multiple sources. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> multiple sources? Multiple sources. That? His mom, like, <laughs> his great man. Actually, my mom was one of the first. I'm not going to lie. She was like, you got to watch this show. It's too much sexy. It's Harry Potter, but, but better. I was like, okay. Better. Whoa. Way know, to go, Christina. Yeah. Well, in the, uh, the book has art by Emil Carpina, uh, who's making his return to Marvel, and cool covers for the whole series by uh, Terry Dodson, which is great. Um, and then we get like an ad for Black, Black Bolt and some other uh, Inhuman stuff. Really quick black and white preview of the all new Wolverine arc that starts up soon. She gets a new costume, a whole new direction. Is that Leonard Kirk art? Leonard Kirk is on yeah. art. Good eye. It looks fantastic. Oh, Leonard's man. doing a great job. The coloring, um, I believe, is by Hayes. Jesus Abertov, he's gonna, he's doing a great job too. Um, yeah, really cool stuff. And then it, it wraps up in the end with a, a, a quick preview of Weapon X, which is written by uh, Greg Pak with art by Greg Land. Um, Double and, Greg. And Jay Lyson. You, you you don't have enough Greg in your life? Yeah. Double it. <laughs> That's what this book does. Uh, and it's not what you think. It's not just a simple, um, you know, let's get a bunch of people with claws and who are like gritty together. There's a big conspiracy going on, and and Greg's been working really hard on this. Uh, which series. Greg? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Both. So yeah, this book is great. It's it's really awesome and it's free. Yeah, so definitely it's pick free. that up this week. Ask your your retailer for a copy just so you can sort of see what is coming up. Yeah, because we like that. Mm-hmm. All right, my last book of the week is The Heartbreaker. Yeah. It's bittersweet. It is Spider-Woman number 17, written by Hanson, Dennis Hopeless, art by Veronica Fish, and Michelle Rosenberg. Um, This is the last issue of the series. Has a beautiful cover by Javier Rodriguez, um, who who started the series off. Um, And it's like... It's such a it's such an unconventional cover too because it's panels. Yeah, and you never see panels on covers. Yeah, yet. and it, it tells its own little story. Like you get everything you need. Like you get a concrete feeling from from that right there. There's right. happiness. There's you know like uh, a sense of closure. There's just hope. Yeah. For tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. So this opens up like mirroring the first issue of Spider-Woman. The first issue of Spider-Woman, we saw that she was pregnant, she was having a party, all the superheroes were invited. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of like a new thing that she wanted to bring people into. This is, okay, so much has gone on in all their lives and time. She's now had the baby. She's um, now in this relationship with uh, Porcupine, right. of all people, who, you know, everybody thinks is like wrong but roger is the best character really i mean i have fallen in love with him he's great uh we get them just hanging out uh captain marvel's there she's helping put everything together they're having this party for all the superheroes it's a way for her to basically say this is my family this is my life um i want to hang out with my friends and so of course it's just heroes show up Mm um uh what we find out is that the baby is uh, actually 
got powers. Uh oh. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> you like that voice? Yeah. It was pretty good, right? Um, so the baby's literally on the ceiling, climbing, and then does one of Jessica's like venom blast zaps. Yeah. And just beautiful art here by Veronica Fish. Yeah. It, like reaction shots. Every fi- she she crushes it on uh, facial expressions throughout this issue. Yep. You've got especially with Roger, he's constantly eating or drinking and then <laughs> spitting it out. Right. Um, it's it's really it's beautiful. The party's going on. Uh, one of the things that I loved that Javier did was introduce like. The way he told the story across panels, yeah. breaking panels, doing it across spreads in really interesting ways. Veronica does it masterfully here. Is uh, Roger has to chase the baby around the house, and it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's really beautiful. It's sweet. Um, it's funny. There's some insane stuff. I don't want to say insane. It's some some kind of biting stuff between uh, Jessica, Spider-Woman, and Natasha, Black Widow, because... <laughs> Black Widow is basically like, this guy, you're dating the porcupine? Right. And she just goes off on him. And Jessica's, like, drinking, and she's getting angry, and they're going to fight and all kinds of stuff. But what happens throughout the issue, despite what everyone thinks, that Roger is just this nimcompoop, he saves the day. He does not just saving the day... He saves, like, he proves himself to be the hero that Jessica and Ben Yurick know he is. Right. It's, like, a beautiful scene here. He's deserving of her love. Yes. Yeah. All the love and all the respect from everyone at the party. Uh, it's really great. It's a beautiful, beautiful ending to this book. I am incredibly sad that it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It was, hands down, one of my favorites of the last year and change. That's another book, too, where, I mean, I, I said it before about Black Widow. You could just hand it to somebody yeah. to who's not super familiar with the Marvel U or isn't really sure, you know, how to get into superhero comics. This is a book that kind of tiptoes into those concepts. Yeah, I, 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 I think of them in the same realm as um, Thor the Mighty Avenger. Right, right, right. Um, that It was a finite series, but it was incredible mm-hmm. it was like it distilled everything you love about the characters and you love about marvel into a really great story yeah so so long spider woman bye bye <laughs> all right i'm up next you did it x-men prime this is kind of a, a, a another book that matches up with the the focus of inhumans prime and in that it deals with the fallout from the inhumans versus x-men event that just wrapped up and sets us on course for what's uh, coming up for the X-Men universe, which I'm really excited about. I grew up an X-Men fan. I think like a lot of people through like the animated show oh, yeah. and the trading cards mm-hmm. and Jim Lee X-Men. Oh, and yeah. Just and then like you know they're always tracking down older X-Men stuff like Days of Future Past and Dark Phoenix and stuff. So when I was a kid, we we didn't have, we had a small apartment. And we yeah. didn't have our own washer and dryer and everything. So we went to this laundromat. And I would go with my mom, and there was a used bookstore next door. Yeah. And so I would buy um, copies. I would buy single issues of Burn Claremont X Men. So I have like almost. I have a. I think I still have them. Most of their full run, like Whoa. from like beaten up, right. like used bookstore copies. But it was like that was everything to but me. that gets in your genes like yeah. that becomes like what you identify as comics and i think for so many people for so many different reasons the x-men 
epitomizes superhero comics to them. Whether it's because they identify with the message of people who have been tossed to the side or hated or feared or you just loved an artist that was on the book, Wils Portacio or or, um, Jim Lee or um, Silvestri, T-Bear. I think I I always said T-Bear. I feel like every major... Superhero artist has at one time or another worked on the X Men, and I think that's telling. Like the mm. book has always been kind of a major blockbuster, and so this book is saying, "Hey, blockbuster's back, baby!" <laughs> so they've got a cover by uh, by Artie and Syaf, who's going to be the regular interior artist on X Men Gold. Um, this big this big oversized issue is written by Mark Guggenheim, Greg Pak, and Colin Bunn, all the guys who are writing the uh, some of the major spinoff books for the X Men, uh, with art by Ken Lashley. Ibrahim Roberson and Leonard Kirk with Guillermo Ortego um, and colors by Maury Hollowell, Frank D'Armada and Michael Garland. So Ken Lashley is like a throwback to that like yeah. that like style. That like a little bit. That like know? it's almost like a top cow style. Yeah. Like everything's kind of jagged and in your face but still clear storytelling. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, and and Ken's going to be back. This isn't the last time Ken's going to be in the X universe. He'll be back uh, pretty soon. I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, that's why uh, Daniel Ketchum cast him for this for this book. Um, but yeah, so we we start with Kitty Pride in Chicago, Illinois where she lives now after returning to Earth from her time in space with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and she's visited by her old friend Storm. <laughs> Uh, so Storm and Kitty catch up over some uh, some coffee. Storm uh, did some stuff that she's not proud of during the IVX event and kind of feels like, uh, I got to step aside and I need you to come back to the X-Men and lead the team. Um, so in between the, that lead wraparound story with Kitty Pride kind of seeing what's going on with the X-Men, we also get tidbits of side stories that will lead into the major uh, the major launches and when the first one up is a quick short story featuring Lady Deathstrike uh, trying to smuggle herself into the country from Madripoor um, and taking down some bad dudes who are doing like a slave trade uh, but the second she gets on land some lady, some mysterious lady shows up and is like, I got an offer to make you Psylocke, or Lady Deathstrike, not Psylocke <laughs> Lady Deathstrike, and Lady Deathstrike's like no nah, I'm good kills a lady and then gets blown up with a missile uh, and then surprise the yeah. lady is not dead she's like well I'm good and it, she calls into her headquarters in Washington DC some classified location in the capital and someone's saying well, alright well that's exactly why we wanted her is because she can come back from things like a, a missile exploding in front of her and we get a quick screenshot or holograms of other people who will presumably show up in the Weapon X book again. Yeah, I'm super psyched that Warpath is Warpath! He's Where's great. he been? So good. Warpath, man. During um, the Kyle and Yost run of X-Books, like yeah. X-Force and stuff. Right. And all the time. I, he's just one of my favorites. And Brubaker had him in Uncanny, Brubaker right? Brubaker had him in Uncanny. He's got those cool knives. Giant knives. Oh, he's so go. He's just so dope. Yeah, and, and, and the rest of the people on the team are Domino, Lady Deathstrike, Sabretooth, and, and uh, Old Man Logan. Not the team, but the people who are being targeted by this secret organization. So, uh, really cool stuff there. I'm excited to find out what happens next. We flash back to the wraparound story with Kitty and Aurora uh, Storm going to Exhaven, which is uh, if some of you don't know, the Xavier Mansion was teleported into limbo because they couldn't find anywhere on Earth that was safe for them to live because of the Terrigen Mists. Uh, so she goes and visits the school, has a run-in with her ex-boyfriend, Peter Rasputin, Peter? a.k.a. A Colossus. Now, I will say, 
kind of bummed he doesn't have the beard. Yeah. I loved him with the beard. It's funny because they, they colored it with like a freshly shaven face. Like it's like it's almost, it, it might come back. Maybe yeah. if you write in your favorite Colossus, facial hair, no facial hair, they'll follow your <laughs> Lumberjack lead. Colossus. Lumberjack. Yeah. Lumberjack Colossus. <laughs> High and tight, like Dennis Hopeless. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so you find out that Colossus, while Ka- uh, Kitty Pride had moved out, uh, Colossus moved into her old room, uh, which is kind of awkward because he used to date. But uh, things end as awkward as you would think and he kind of walks away she continues to explore the X-Mansion and runs into a baby and the baby uh, <laughs> it tur- turns out to be Jubilee's uh, adopted son from a previous X-Men run Shogo Shodo Shogo Shogo with a G Shogo does he have powers like Spider-Man's baby uh, I don't think so okay but it's 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 fun seeing Jubilee with a kid, and I hope that this means that there's going to be more Jubilee, like a lot more Jubilee in the X books. Again, another thing of like, all right, Colossus, Kitty, Jubilee, um, we're getting back to kind of a core uh, I'm cast pretty again. sure Jubilee's in Jazz, Jazz, Jazz X book, Jazz X. She's in one of them for sure. She's in one of them. Did you say Jazz Sex? Jazz Jazz X X. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Uh, so she continues walking around. She sees some of the kids playing ball out in the courtyard. Generation X. Generation she's in Generation X. X. She's definitely Generation X. Yeah. And she's got those sunglasses on her forehead again, which yeah. is great. Um, so she sees some kids playing. And she's like, man, this isn't a bad idea. Quick cut to the danger room where we see the uh, all-new X-Men, the, the young um, Stanley Jack Kirby X-Men who've time-traveled, who are training in the danger room. Uh, it's a classic thing with all of them kind of helping each other out in these like wild left and right fights. Uh, things are attacking them all over the place. Uh, and having a conversation about a decision that they want to make. They all know they can't, for some reason, travel back in time to their own time. For some reason, the universe won't let them. Well... It does tie into out this week as well. All new X Men number nineteen, which we'll get to in a couple minutes. Cool, cool, cool. And we see them kind of talk about like, what are we going to do next? We've got to do something next. Um, and Jean has an idea that sounds like it's not going to be popular with everybody. And I, and I can't spoil it. You'll find out more about that in X Men Blue, the book that these characters uh, spin off into. Um, but Kitty Pride arrives and turns out this, they're actually not in the danger room. This is a recording of a previous training session, and it's their goodbye letter to the X Men saying, "Hey, sorry, but uh, you know we got to take off." So Kitty's like, "Man." They got punked, and actually, Ashton Kutcher is in the issue. He's like, she got punked, Kitty. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. Where you been? He's like, backwards, trucker hat on. All right, so then when we see Kitty run into uh, Ileana uh, Magic, uh, her best friend and sister to her ex-boyfriend, uh, and they talk a little bit about, oh, you know, Storm saying she needs to leave. we got to do something, you know big to to kind of repair things here with the Xavier school she says Ileana I, I need your help with something and then Kitty addresses all of the X-Men who are at X-Haven Nightcrawler a bunch of the the new mutants that have been showing up Quentin Quire and says you know it's time for us to stop you know being you know people uh, people who people are scared of and 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 misfits and outcasts we've got to step up and become heroes again um and so Costas is like, uh, where are we going to do that at? And Kitty <laughs> More Pride's Russian. like, yeah, he's like, I can't do it. Hey, where are you going to do that Yeah, at? that's very Russian. That's like all the Russian guys I've heard. 
I haven't heard any Russian guys. <laughs> uh, and so Kitty's like, I got an idea, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to spoil it. But uh, they get a new head, they get a new headquarters. I don't want to tell you what it is. It's pretty cool, and it could lead to a lot of cool, weird stuff. So I have questions about permits, and <laughs> and you know how the government has dealt with this. Where you park your house sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and then it ends with you know coming soon in X Men and quick like cover shots of the upcoming books that are really. It's really exciting. There's like a lot of cool X Men stuff for a long time fans to be excited about. Um, and and they even you know the X Men books have traded, changed their trade dress, so there's a new uh, cover style, so you can immediately identify them on the stands. They've got new corner boxes, like the old Marvel corner boxes that have new head art by uh, Leonard Kirk. Um, so it's yeah, it's, it's fun. There's like a there's like a concentrated effort to make this look and feel different, but a little bit classic at the same time. So this yeah. is the first this is the first shot fired. Yeah. Is that? Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, rest of the books out this week. We've got all new X Men number nineteen. It's another finale, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Paco Diaz and Nolan Woodard. Um, we see this is this really, like I was mentioning before, ties into how the um, the reasoning behind why the X-Men, this group, the original, quote-unquote, can't go back in time. And it, it's cool. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, there's some smooching. Eunice the Untouchable is in here. It's got everything you could have hoped for in a comic book. Yeah, and uh, also out this week is the Avengers 5.1. Uh, this is a companion book to the main Avengers title that Mark Wade is writing. This is also written by Mark with art by Barry Kitson, with uh, Mark Bagley, Sean Isaacs, and Rose Stein. Uh, a whole list of inkers. Mark Farmer, Scott Hanna, Mike Perkins, Ted Brandt. Sean Isaacs does his own inks. Drew Hennessy. And colors by Jordan Boyd with some help from Matt Yaki and Will Quintana. This is a throwback book that kind of, uh, that kind of touches, de- definitely touches on an adventure back in the day when the Avengers first got together, they almost immediately split up for a second, and some new Avengers came in to join their ranks, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch. So this is a this is a story about them and a, a member that we haven't heard of before named Avenger X, uh, who uh, turns out to be something that she wasn't yeah, we, wasn't expected. It's a brutal little story. Like, but the ending, how Avenger X is sort of like taken off the table, I was like, whoa. But as we find out in the end of the issue. She's going to be back. She's actually part of an upcoming story in Avengers by Mark and Mike. So, pretty cool. And there's pretty cool uh, ad inside for X-Men t-shirts that I I wish, was looking around to see if there was any way to order them. I, I was like, real. I wish yeah. we could order these. But I, they look so awesome. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, number nine. It is part three of Till Death Do Us. And uh, Spidey and Deadpool are working on a plan, trying to get out of New York City, which has been overrun by the monsters and by Shikla. Uh, so while they're doing that, the actual team of Mercs are in infiltrating uh, basically the headquarters where the monsters are by pretending to be monsters. And if you think that's going to go well, think again. Think again. <laughs> yeah. We've oh. got Ghost Rider number five. This is uh, part four, or the fifth part, I guess, of four on the floor, which is like a, uh, what is it, the, the new Fantastic Four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a riff on that because you've got Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes, Amadeus Cho Hulk, uh, Wolverine, Laura, and Silk. And so it's it's super cool. Um, it has just some of the grossest moments I've seen in our comics in a long time. Like, there's this giant monster. Oh, God. That, yeah, is, <laughs> it's got goosebumps. It's vomiting <laughs> other versions of itself. And, like, <laughs> like... The sound effects is sound effect is glorp, 
and it's just so gross and yeah. uh, some weird stuff that it uses DNA of uh, Agent May and Agent Coulson. Yeah, there's multiple vomiting bits in here. It is fantastic. Uh, well, I shared with Ricky and some other people yesterday a photo of a woman who was taking a selfie <laughs> of her and her dog, and right at the moment where she's taking the photo, the dog puked, uh, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's really, it's a, it's so a great So if you like one. that, pick up uh, New Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got the guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe for Doctor Strange in here, which is all the background on the characters uh, and the places and the things here in uh, the the movie so you get to see a number of characters uh, called out and, and what, who they are and what they're all about it's pretty dang cool um, we've got Infinite Iron Man number 6 written by Brian Michael Bendis art by Alex Malev colors by Matt Hollingsworth um, we got cool old school stuff when Doom, Reed, and Ben Grimm were in college, you've got Modok and uh, the Wizard. Yeah, the, yeah, it's the Wizard. Modok and the Wizard having a conversation is something I could read one hundred pages of. Drawn by Malev too. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, yeah. Malev drawing Modok makes me happy. The best part is, Wizard is talking to Modok, basically being like, "Hey, uh, Doom's out there." He's kind of being a dick, and he's coming after all of us. We should work together, maybe get our, our business together again. And Modok's like, eh, you know, cool, I don't know, man. Uh, hey, you're probably right. He's right behind you. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the last panel with Modok is just, so I'm going to let you get back to it. <laughs> She's so happy. Uh, it's really great, and we get a wizard doom fight, which is way cooler than it has any reason to be. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Uh, Doom, I love this book. I love what Doom's all about. And we get to see Riri Richards show up at the, by the end. All right, up next on sale this week is Man-Thing number two, written by Goosebumps R.L. Stein. Did you yeah. get Goosebumps? Goosebumps just then. Uh, with art by Herman Peralta and Rochelle Rosenberg on the main feature. And there's this pretty sweet little backup in the back, also written by R.L. Stein, uh, with art by Christopher Mitten, with Rochelle also coloring in this issue, uh, we follow up on the first issue where Man Thing was filming uh, a movie about him, and test audiences were like, "No way, that guy is too gross. Get him out of here." He looks like ten bucks. So he's like walking the streets of Burbank, runs into another Man Thing, gets teleported uh, to a mysterious swamp where he's immediately attacked by bats and a crocodile and a giant, a bunch of giant snakes, and then uh, a boat shows up and starts shooting at him. So Man Thing is kind of wrestling with a lot of identity issues here uh, in, in a fun way. So yeah, I dig that it's getting us to the nexus of all realities as well which yeah, is, yeah is my favorite thing about man thing. about man thing yeah, yeah. Uh, all right we've got mighty captain marvel number three written by margaret stoll art by ramon rosanas michael garland with marcio menis um and here it's just i love what this book does and like looking at Carol's past and sort of where she is in the future, but it's an interesting thing. She is sort of trapped under permafrost, uh, buried in the Antarctic, um, and she's looking for a Stark, you know, basically this Stark, uh, 
what's the word, like a base out in the Antarctic. Right. Yes. Uh, and she runs into a Tony Stark AI. And it's really cool to have her playing off of this Tony Stark AI throughout the thing. We get introduced to uh, a, sci- a Stark scientist character who looks very much like Kurt Russell in uh, The Thing, which I think was hopefully intentional. He's <laughs> got the hat and the beard and all that stuff. Um, there's a really great uh, couple of pages where one of the Alpha Flight scientists comes down and she immediately falls in love with the Stark scientist. It's great, but they're really looking to figure out what's going on with Bean, what's going on with um, Carol's powers, uh, the shapeshifter creature, all kinds of things going on. So uh, we'll see where this all shakes out. Yeah, also on sale this week, Old Man Logan number 20 by uh, Jeff Lemire, artist Felipe Andrade, and colors by Jordan Boyd. This is part two of the Gone Real Bad storyline, part two of two. Uh, in this, uh, Old Man Logan, who's obviously survived the wastelands and come back in time, uh, remembers he still has obligations back in the wastelands, specifically a uh, Hulk baby that he left behind. So he's been trying to get back to the wastelands, but it's hard because it's not quite the future of the Marvel Universe. So he realizes he needs to use some uh, mystical means. So he goes to this old villain named Asmodeus, who uh, at one point sent some of the Avengers back in time. So he thinks, hey man, if I give you all of your weapons back, can you help me go find my universe? Uh, Then he goes to visit Doctor Strange, gets a couple of uh, specific tools for Asmodeus. The two of them do a special spell, but just like everything involving magic and Satan, it doesn't go as planned. Oh, Yeah, sorry guys. But uh, yeah, really cool art by uh, uh, Felipe Andrade, and it's fun to see where Jeff Lemire is uh, driving this book toward. Yeah. All right, we've got Star-Lord number five, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Chris Anka and Matt Wilson. Um, This has Star-Lord, you know, He's, he's in a bad place. He has to help out Black Cat. Um, he's bringing in his, uh, his friend into this. Uh, the older dude who's got all the uh, who's got this, this suit that can let him walk on air and it's, it's really it, it's cool. Um, Edmund is his name who was a former supervillain way back when uh, but it's also set in the bar with no name, which is one of my absolute favorite things in all of Marvel comics. Uh, Black Cat is obviously going to turn on Star-Lord, but you know he doesn't really realize that. There's great fights. Um, Black Cat is essentially just trying to break into the house of one of her clients at the bar with no name because the woman, Javelin, former supervillain, has this she's like a master thief and is able to she has like a list of all places to hit how to get in there she's got this basically a black book that black cat wants so while peter and edmund are trying to break into her place uh black cat is rounding is you know riling up all the supervillains in the bar to take down javelin but peter thought ahead he enlisted the help of old man logan so something one of my favorite things in here is sexy old man logan with the eye patch flirting with uh with javelin who's muscles also over little yeah old man logan is full of muscles um javelin's a little bit older the two of them flirting that's a bone zone action about to happen they're gonna just imminent bone zone go at it like (laughs) Look at this. This is like, you can feel it. You yeah. can cut the tension with a knife. Yeah. It's a gross. butter knife. Uh, yeah, like a like a really dull like a plastic butter knife. Butter knife. Back of it. Yeah. Uh, what? The back of it. Like, yeah. it's real dull. <laughs> uh, but it's really great. It's a, a fun, you know, fun story. Um, but then the end actually made me gasp out loud when I read it on the train. Where, where, where did the bar with no name start? Um, I want to say in the 80s, it... 
probably in Captain America comics, maybe somewhere else. Grunwald it, or somebody. Yeah, it feels like a definitely like an awesome Grunwald idea. Um, I'm pretty sure Scourge killed a bunch of people there. Oh, okay. Which is definitely yeah, 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 makes sense. Grunwald. Yeah. Um, but it was in like Marvel Comics Presents. It's just one of those things that is just such a cool idea. It's like a traveling bar. Throughout the city, that's just for supervillains, where nothing bad should happen to them. They can go there and they're fine. Right. And Peter Quill bartends. Works yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Yeah. That's All right. Also on Sales Week, Thanos number five, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Mike Diodato Jr. and Frank Martin. Uh, so in the previous issue, Thanos uh, got taken down by after a big fight with the Shi'ar Empire, um, and so they now he's in prison in a galactic gulag. Uh, and the main reason they were able to take him out is because he's dying. There's something wrong with him. I know. I know that. I know that gasp. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Thanos' son, Thane, uh, has teamed up with Nebula, uh, Star Fox, and this guy, Trico Slatterus. The champion of the universe. Right. Who <laughs> Thanos just beat up, uh, didn't even beat up, he outsmarted from what, the power gem back in the Thanos quest. What? Oh, yeah. You should reread the Thanos quest. Uh, yeah, it's got the gardener. Up. It's got... The runner, it's got right. the champion, it's got the plumber, a lot of, a lot of these, <laughs> the these, the, the leave team. Don't get me started. Whoa, the thes. Ooh, think about ooh, that. That's a band. Uh, so, so we also so while Thanos is dealing with being in prison, Star Fox and Thane and those guys all visit Terax. Uh, Terax has something that they actually it, it's a secret. They don't tell him what they want. Uh, so they kind of like betray him and start fighting him to find the thing that they want. Meanwhile, Thanos is in prison and kind of being effed with by his guard, and Thanos gets uh, revenge on the guard pretty quickly, oh, yeah. brutally. Uh, and so then it sets everything up for issue six. This is going to be a major butt-kicking from Thanos on a whole battalion of guys at the Gulag yeah, trying to keep him there. He has there. a line right there. He yeah. like puts on his helmet, and he's what does he say? Uh, he, he says, Hur. and he's like, all right, then, let us begin, and puts his helmet on. <laughs> and then it's just, you just Ugh. imagine the, you know, like, let the bodies hit the floor right, starts right. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just murdering. Yeah, yeah. And then so, it just goes... We but we we see the at the end they betray Terax back at Terax's place uh, and they get the thing that they've been looking for. I don't want to spoil it, but it, it it's a game changer. It's like oh, this book is always not about what I think it's about, and the stakes are always getting higher and higher and higher. And I actually care about these characters, these galactic characters. So great job on the on, on the part of the creative team. Yeah, that was a really cool reveal right at the end. All right, we've got Thunderbolts number eleven as our last book of the week. Um, so. The uh, previous issue, we saw that um, uh, Kovic did a little something to Winter Soldier. Find out she threw him into his younger body back during World War II and to try and relive the events. And he's like, oh, my God, this is great. I can save myself. <laughs> I can save Cap. I can save the war. I can I buy know, Apple stock. I know all these things. <laughs> 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 he's got no tech, no anything else but his knowledge. Uh, but things are off. He can tell that something is wrong. Uh, there's a great shot in here of him eating biscuits with blood on his face, which, I don't know. It's just it's great. The best way to eat them. Creative team, Jim Zub, writer, John Mallon, artist, uh, with Matt Yaki on colors. Um, but Bucky sees something is wrong, things are a little off, uh, and here is where he finds out that Cap is Hydra. Yeah. And it, is like a world changer, a game changer, and he dies. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, last couple pages, there's a conversation in here, um, which, man, it, it, like, it has a little broken heart, like, drawn on one of the pages. Right. And that's super true. 
it's crazy. This is a wild issue. It's really, really cool. I love um, how this is tying into all the Secret Empire buildup. Yeah, this is a cool like launch, a uh, uh, prelude to the sequel Secret Empire stuff. If you're going to check that out, you should check out this issue. Yeah. All right, so those were the print comics out this week. Uh, collections on sale, we've got uh, Astonishing X-Men Volume 3, Trial of Ant-Man, Captain America and the Falcon, Secret Empire, Guardians of the Galaxy, all-new Marvel Treasury Edition, Iron Fist, The Living Weapon, Complete Collection. Yeah! <laughs> it's so good. Uh, Spider-Man, Complete Clone Saga, Epic th- uh, book three, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales Volume Two trade paperback, and Ep- X-Men Epic Collection Volume Five Second Genesis trade. Uh, lots of good trades out this week. We also then have um, digitally on sale um, the collection, uh, all the books that we talked about so far. So the new issues plus collections include Guardians of the Galaxy, All-New Marvel Treasury Edition, Spider-Man Miles Morales Vol- Volume 2, Astonishing Ant-Man Volume 3, Trial of Ant-Man, X-Men Epic Collection, Second Genesis, Fantastic Four, Beginning of the End, Iron Man and Armor Wars, Marvel Team-Up Volume 2, Master of the Ring, Mary Jane, Circle of Friends, and X-Men Pixie Strikes Back. Um, on the sort of backlist, the older books that are added to the app this week, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 436 through 441 from the original series. Amazing Spider-Man from 1999 series 11 through 29. Heroes, issues 1 through 4. <laughs> uh, Kill Raven, 1 through 6 yes! from 2002. What is that series? That's uh, Alan Davis. Ooh. Yeah, it looks great. I bet. Uh, Marvel Monsters Devil Dinosaur, number one. Marvel Monsters Fin Fang 4, number one. Marvel Monsters Where Monsters Dwell, number one. From All those were in 2005. I don't remember that. It's like Roger Langridge did one of them. Eric Powell did one of them. They were all just yes. one shots. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool standalone okay. stories. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Uh, Marvel Team Up issues 53, 69, 70, and the annual number one from the classic 1970s run. Powerless, one through six, which that was a cool uh, book. Yeah, amazing art by Arthur Ranson, a British artist who hasn't done a whole lot of stuff in the U.S. But uh, it was like, I want to say Jeff Jensen. It was the EW writers at the time wrote the book. It was like a sort of a take on like our characters, but not like powerless versions of our characters, right? right? Yeah, it's it's a it, spoiler alert. It's a what if, and so it's like what if these guys didn't have powers, and yeah. so you see Peter Parker, um, James Howlett, all these guys who don't have powers. It's really cool, like yeah. ahead of its time kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, Spider-Man's Tangled Web, which is awesome, yeah. two thousand one. Uh, looks like issues one through twenty-two of that. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Ricky, before I let you go, anything you want to add? Anything you want to talk about? Anything cool? Um, we're going to be at C2E2 in the next couple weeks. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. A bunch of Marvel staffers, uh, editorial, and myself doing portfolio reviews. Uh, and then several shows throughout the rest of the year, not just in the U.S., but um, uh, around the world. So if you're looking for any information on getting portfolio reviews at shows in your area, uh, check out my Twitter account and the Marvel Twitter accounts as well. Um, we're going to do portfolio reviews. You were just in Mexico City. 
Mexico City for La Mole, which was incredible. It, like extremely kind and uh, and passionate fans. Beautiful weather. It, it just blizzard in New York, so I got to be in the sun. Uh, the show promoters took us to the pyramids just outside the city and to an anthropological museum. So we got context about the history of Mexico, but also really great talent, Marvel talent, Laura Martin, Matt Rosenberg was there, Nick Spencer, Fabian Nicieza, a lot of guys, um, and really great um, fans who were trying to be artists. We found one guy is already working for us. It, t- it took him a week and he got work. So it's wow. great. Yeah, turn, turn around. So a lot of untapped potential in, in Mexico City and, and really great people. So it was a great trip. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Ricky, your Twitter is just Ricky Purden, right? Yep, Ricky Purden. Cool. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for more This Week in Marvel right after this important announcement from our sponsor. Before we get into news, I just want to let you guys know this episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate, back again. All good. They've uh, put together their Marvel gear and goods crate for the ultimate Marvel fan. It's got all kinds of fun stuff, home goods, apparel, and all kinds of fun stuff every month. I remember I brought home one of the boxes recently. It was like the new measuring cup, which has different versions of uh, Hank Pym as a measuring cup. My wife was like, yes, put that in the cupboard. We're going to use that. We also got these great plates that are designed by, uh, use Michael Cho art, which is wonderful. And obviously the MODOK uh, mold that, you know, you can make jello or ice or whatever in the shape of the modok but there's a new crate uh and i'm gonna read a little bit what they say here so you just stopped thanos from undoing reality again and nova prime is probably going to spend weeks on that paperwork alone here's an infinity gem of an idea let's kick off the space boots head to the backyard and have a cosmic party We're inviting a motley crew of galactic greats, and they're bringing essential party items featuring the Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain Marvel, and the Nova Corps. Order by 5.15, that's May 15th at 9 p.m. to get this crate. Uh, Go to lootcrate.com slash marvelpod and use promo code marvelpod, M-A-R-V-E-L-P-O-D, to save $3 off your subscription today. We just revealed one of the items from the crate uh, on an episode of Thwip, the big Marvel show. It is a Yandu Geeky Tiki. Uh, it is, so it's a Tiki glass. That right there is worth the subscription. It's really well done. It's like, it's this beautiful blue color. The sculpt is wonderful, but the inside is like this, this reddish pink. It just looks awesome. Uh, my wife collects Tiki glasses. So this is like right up our alley. Uh, it's really cool. The rest of the items, as I'm sure we'll talk about it as time comes, but it's fantastic. I think you guys are going to love it if you're not already a subscriber. I really think you should join in. It's pretty great. Remember, go to lootcrate.com slash marvelpod and use promo code marvelpod to save $3 off your Marvel Gear and Goods subscription today. And now, from Marvel headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel All right, now it is time for the news with Chris Delando. Hey, everybody. He is our PR dungeon master. I like that. That's yeah, good. That's good, right? <laughs> like you're 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 sort of arranging things. I'm gonna put in for new business cards. Yeah. yeah. Tell him I said it's approved. Okay. Great. <laughs> that's all it takes. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I approve random stuff all the time. Who knows? Um, but we want to talk a little bit about comics news, and you brought some stuff. What do we got? I did. We we've had a we had a busy couple weeks. Um, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, which I'm very very excited about is a new a new Darth Vader series coming out in July. Um, so I mean, I was a super big fan of the Kieran Gillen Savile Oroka Darth Vader series. I thought it was great. Um, but that's over now, and we've got a new volume starting in July with a really great hook. It's going to be Charles Soule and uh, Giuseppe Camicoli, who's coming off of a very lengthy run on Amazing Spider-Man. He's tremendous. Um, but the cool thing about this is it's, it's going to pick up literally in the moments after episode th- Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith ends. So, you know, the prequel trilogy of Star Wars is very much about how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader, and then the, the original Star Wars trilogy is very much about Darth Vader being this sort of menacing figure of evil. But you never really got to see how he became Darth Vader. You saw a little bit of that at the end of Star Wars Rogue One. Sorry if anyone hasn't seen it yet. But So so this series is going to pick up literally moments after he puts on the armor. He steps down off of the pedestal. He's now more machine than man. And how do you cope with that? How do you become a Sith? How do you learn from the Emperor? How do you become a bad guy, basically? So it's Darth Vader year one in a lot of ways. You're hmm. going to get to see him make his lightsaber, which is super cool. Um, you might even get to see him fight the Emperor very early on, which I think fans will really be excited Ooh. about. You see, uh, him, uh, there's a cooking montage. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, been, is that not in that? He's been playing Zelda, apparently. He's been throwing <laughs> things in the pot, watching oh, yeah. it dance, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Um, I've seen pages from it already. Uh, it looks tremendous. And um, I think if you're going to be at Star Wars Celebration, you should come check out the uh, Star Wars Comics panel. I believe Charles is going to be there to talk about it. He might be showing off some new art. Um, it's going to be really, really fun. So issue one and two um, are going to be in July. And when I say fun, I mean dark and really, really dark. Um, so it should be good. <laughs> I like that. I, I like Darth Vader as the nightmare walking. Like, exactly. Like, yeah, terrifying absolutely. force of nature that if you see him well, you're dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's going to be sort of how he gets to that point yeah. in, in this book. Um, so it's something that I think a lot of Star Wars fans are really going to dig. Uh, and it's it also interesting because there's 30 years, right? Yeah, like, it's a right? big gap. Like it's that, a big gap. A big gap. <sighs> Or twenty five, whatever something the, like that. Yeah, yeah, whatever number of years. That's a long time. Yeah, and the original trilogy, we only see like so many moments of him being like you know this badass. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm excited to see the issue where like you really you know gloves come off or on. I guess as and a machine, <laughs> you'll see that right from page one. Too, yeah, which it, does it really, open really with really the cool. oh, like him screaming <laughs> no, and then like that's how it opens. It might. It might. I can't. I can neither awesome. confirm nor deny. Um, I, I don't want. I don't want Jordan to bust in here and start. Oh, I was just. I was just having a guess and a goof. That's great. Yeah. Uh, it, it will be fun. Yeah. It will be that's dark awesome. and fun. And if you like Star Wars and you liked the original Vader series, this will be right up your alley. Pick it up in July. Um, some other good stuff from from the last couple weeks. We uh, another another Charles Soul joint, if you will. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago we teased out the lineup for Astonishing X Men. There's a lot of really fan favorites on there: Rogue, Gambit, Bishop. I'm excited to see Bishop again. Hell yeah! Um, so we announced Charles Soul as our writer, but we didn't announce our artist. Um, and a lot of people were very, um, you know, asking who's going to draw it, and that's you know that's a big hook for some people. So I'm proud to announce that. 
every single issue of Astonishing X-Men is going to have a different artist uh, and, and an A-list artist at that. And we've got a few names here to rattle off that will be sort of in the first year. Um, so Jim Chung is going to draw an oversized first issue. And then a couple other people who will be coming on. We have ACO, who's doing some tremendous work on that Nick Fury book. ACO, looks amazing. I, like, I've never seen his work mm-hmm. previously, him, because it's just ACO. Like, I yes. don't, don't want to <laughs> guess at genders. Sure. Um, but, like, Wow. It's going to blow people away. Uh, So ACO is going to do an issue. Ron Garney is going to do an issue. Phil Noto, Greg Land, Ramon Rosanas, and we have uh, a bunch of other people yet to announce. So the, the idea here is that we can have really big, huge name artists come on and do one issue either in between projects or maybe they you know, they can't necessarily keep down a monthly schedule um, and we'll have a really great different look on this team every single issue. And what I also will say, is a little tease for some people, uh, there is a story reason for why we're switching artists as well. And when you find out who their first villain and their first threat is going to be, it will make a lot more sense. So that's, is it me? It's, yes, it's you. <laughs> I did it. I'm in another book. You're going to get to see ACO draw you. Cool. Yeah, it's going to be good. Great. Uh, and the first issue of that is also in July. So two big Charles Soule books coming down the pipe in the summer. Nice. Uh, and then on the Secret Empire front, uh, we announced a couple new one-shots. Uh, are you guys excited for Secret Empire? I'm so excited oh, yeah. for Secret Empire. I read, I'm loving the build-up, too. Like Amazing. We were just talking about Thunderbolts um, and how I think that's, like especially this week's issue, is doing a really cool way of, of bridging some interesting gaps. Very and then, so. of course, Nick's work on the Captain America books has just been stellar. So Very, very much. Wait till you guys... Re- so I've read Zero. Um, wait till you read Zero. It's unbelievable. And then I, I'm a little bit further ahead on the scripts for the main book. Uh, it's going to blow the doors off of people. It, like, everything you said, it, that the lead-up has been good, the actual main event is <clears throat> really jam-packed and there's a lot of great payoff from Nick's stuff, but also just cool Marvel Universe-y stuff. Mm. You know, it really it feels big, and it feels big in scope. Um, and because it's so big in scope, a lot of times there's some things that sort of you either can't fit in the main book or, or are just fun side stories. So we announced three new one-shots coming in June and July. Um, Secret Empire United, Secret Empire Uprising, and Secret Empire Underground. Um, And they sort of take place within the pages. So I believe one of them takes place in between issues three and issues four, and then the other two take place between issues four and issues five. I could be wrong about that, uh, but but there, you'll see sort of when you when you get into the main book, some characters are sort of tasked with with special missions and they have to go off and, and do a thing, and and this will sort of follow them before they come back into the book on the next issue. Uh, and they are, if you're really digging the event, there'll be really great added context. I know a lot of people sort of balk at tie-ins is, well, do I have to read this? I think that you will be able to read the main book straight through, no problem, but if you want a little extra, uh, these will be really, really fun for you to check out. Um, so those will be in June and July, and just remember, ask for the three U's, United, Underground, and Uprising. Um, but, you know, like one one uh, one issue, Uprising in particular, stars Black Widow and the Champions. They sort of have have a, a, co- a key role to play. Um, 
United, which is also by Jim Zub, who, who writes Thunderbolts, is going to be about the X-Men uh, who are involved in the event, and Underground, which is Jeremy Whitley, who does... I love uh, Jeremy Whitley. Jeremy Whitley is... Is a, it This is Week a, in Marvel favorite? Is he? Yeah. Oh, really? He's been on the show? I haven't no, 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 no. Oh, just, just like oh, we oh, talk yeah. about... Oh, Wasp, I love Unstoppable Wasp. Wasp it's so much so fun. Good. Yeah, it's such a yeah. great book. He's a, he's a rising star. Uh, he's definitely one to watch. And he, he's going to be writing Underground, um, which is just a really fun... Just kind of feels like an old school '80s Avengers team. It's it's going to follow Mockingbird, Quicksilver, Hercules, Scott Lang, and Sam Wilson. That just feels like a very yeah, like it's good. you know cool classic Avengers team. And I should also note that um, Uprising is written by Derek Landy, um, who is a novelist and who has done some. Uh, so he did some work on Civil War, choosing sides as oh, well. Cool. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, and then last but not least on the. Uh, on the news front, we, we unveil a little bit more about Generations. Now, I came on last time to talk about that gorgeous Alex Ross piece. Um, we're sort of parceling out information here and there, a little bit about what Generations is. Um, so we started by revealing some of our writers and, and sort of what the scope of it's going to be. So Generations is 10 issues. Um, and it's going to see the legacy characters sort of paired with their classic predecessors. So you've got, you know, Odin's son and Jane, and the two Jean Greys, both past and present. Uh, and and they will, over the course of the stories, go on an adventure and learn some things from each other. And I know that a lot of people are asking, oh, when's when's Hulk coming back? When's you know when's uh, when's Tony coming back? And and. Well, I won't say when, but I will say that if you are excited about knowing where the Marvel Universe is headed, you definitely won't want to miss Generations. It's a lot of a, a precursor of things to come and sort of a stepping stone for where the Marvel Universe is headed in the fall. Um, we're going to be revealing artists and sort of story content very soon, but right now we've got some writers for you. So Brian Bendis is going to write... Who? Who's that? I don't know who that guy is. Brian Michael Bendis is going to write two of the the, the one shots. It's going to be the the Peter Parker and the Miles Morales one, as well as the Tony Stark and the Ruby Williams. Um, Greg Pak is going to write an Amadeus Cho Bruce Banner story. Margaret Stoll is going to write uh, a Captain Marvel and a Captain Marvel story. Uh, Jason Aaron on our lovely two Thors. Um, Kelly Thompson on the Clint Barton Kate Bishop story. She's doing such a good job on that. So I love that book so much. Me too. And, and Leonardo Romero and Jordan oh Belair God. are killing I it. I will punch someone if something happens to that book. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It is so oh, good. So good. Um, Tom Taylor on yes. the two Wolverines. So good. Um, Dennis Hopeless on the two Jean Greys. Oh, great. Uh, uh, G. Willow Wilson on Miss Marvel, both Kamala and Carol. Fantastic. Um, and then Nick Spencer on the two Captain Americas. So you've really got your A-list writers coming in off of sort of the books that they are writing currently, the ongoing series, to write these generation stories. And they're all collaborating. It was a lot of fun to be at the Marvel retreat and, and hear them sort of talk about it and, and, and outline the stories together. And, and I've got this piece over here. Can you use this over there? So it'll be a really fun, cool experience. Uh, and, and like I said, if you are really looking forward to where the Marvel Universe is headed, you definitely don't want to miss it great that's good it's a nice little tease there chris packed it all in guys you did it. Nice. great job thank you where are fans going to find you on social media you guys can find me at on twitter at delando calrissian uh and uh 
Instagram at the same. Uh, if you play Xbox, you can find me on Xbox at the same. I'm pretty much uniform across all social on media Xbox? platforms right now. I my Xbox has gotten dusty in the last couple weeks. I'm playing Zelda. I'm playing Zelda, yeah. man. Oh, that's great. I just got me a Zelda two nights ago. Yeah, you like it? Started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I got the the winter coat. Okay. Uh, I've got three of the first four temples or whatever shrines, they are. Yeah. Shrines done. So oh, I need yeah. to get me a switch. Good stuff. Yeah. They're Good out there. Stuff. They're getting out there. They're like being released now. A I found it's a lot easier now to get them. Yeah. I think they they were better about the demand this for for these than they have been about other hardware in the past. Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's yeah. a month. It's less than a month out, and I was able to get one sure. relatively easily. You know, so it's good. I look forward to you sinking your teeth in, so we can talk about it a little bit. I know, I know. I have to figure out how I give my friend code or something? Yeah, I don't know how to do that either. I, I don't know what that is. Can it be Delano Calrissian? <laughs> Just be my friend code? I have no idea. We'll have to figure it out. Yeah. Chris, thank you. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Appreciate um, it. So, from here, we're going to go to the West Coast, um, unless we have an interview. Uh, I think we might have an interview. We're going to find out from Blake. If we don't have an interview, then it's going to go to the West Coast, where uh, Mark and Christine are going to have news about the movies. So we've got cool stuff. Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, that CinemaCon. They showed some fun stuff from Thor yeah. Ragnarok. Uh, there's plenty more. There's obviously tons of stuff happening with our television shows. Next week, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns. Ooh, I'm, I'm um, very excited for that. That's going to be really cool. A lot of great stuff going on all over that. They're going to have uh, also the Telltale uh, trailer for Guardians dropped this morning. Uh, plenty, plenty stuff for them to talk about. Then they're also going to have Twim URC, which is our unlimited reading club. I don't remember what they're talking about, and I haven't chosen one for us to talk about. So we'll announce ours next week when Ben is back Coming because I, I have one in my head. And I can't remember what it is. It's something that we bugged out about that was just released digitally not too long ago. And we said we had to do it on, on Twim URC. So we'll figure it out. We'll pick ours next week. But uh, enjoy the rest of the show. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Hello this weekend, Marvelites. I was going for a Transylvania thing there, but that went off the rails very quickly. But this is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... This is editor Christine Dunn. And we are Stromstein. And you're joining us on the... What's the name of our tour right now? Wiffy yeah. Tour. <laughs> our Wiffy Tour. Um, and we're here because you know like all death metal bands i guess they record podcasts about uh totally about uh entertainment entertainment and well let's kick things off with games unfortunately we had some scheduling snafus namely i couldn't get our act together so <laughs> uh we do not have anyone from games but christine sure knows a bunch about what's going on yes i covered for ben this week while he was out on vacation on the west coast this week, we had a lot of exciting news, mainly Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series. We uh, launched the pre-order. You can purchase the first, pre-order the first episode, Tangled in Blue, which premieres April 18th. It's on all the platforms that you want it on, and we have an exciting new trailer yeah. for the game. Well, I think it's the first, uh, like... Official trailer. Ofi- like, in-gameplay yeah. trailer thing. Yes, and if. Well, although I don't know if it has gameplay in it. But it's like from the... It's from the game. You actually get to see the game. Yes. So you also see the Mad Titan Thanos himself. 
in there where... It's pronounced Thanos. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, pre-order it. The season pass comes out for North America May 2nd. That's the, the that's the season pass disc. Correct. Yes. And around the globe on May 5th. And check with your favorite retailer. A lot of them will have special pack, retailer packages and themes. And this is the first episode of five, yes. I should say. Tangled this, in Blue. This is uh, Telltale. They obviously, you know, they've had a lot of success with their serialized games, lots of awards. This one should be pretty, pretty good. Yep. Do you yeah. at least get that, Joe, Christine? Pretty, pretty. No. Pretty, oh. I'm like, I'm like, ban. I, I, I've been trying to get make jokes that people in the office get. And but you made a joke about love story, which was in the decade before I was born, so I just didn't know. I'd never seen it. Well, who has not seen? Listeners, chime in, inform Christine and the rest of our office that people have indeed seen love story. Who's in it? Who's Ali McGraw and Ryan O'Neill and Ray Milland. You are a romantic. <laughs> I like to watch movies where people get murdered, so... Well, she, spoiler alert for a movie that's 47 years old. Uh, she dies at the end, so... Was she murdered? Murdered by cancer. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, actually, I don't, I don't remember what she dies of. Mur- murdered by some type of ailment. Okay. <laughs> yep. I still don't even know what the reference is because I didn't have time to look at your YouTube link. <laughs> also in games, we uh, release Iceman joining Marvel's Contest of Champions. He's in the Battle Realm. You know, he is the coolest X-Men mutant. Yep. Oh, come on. What? No, my jokes aren't funny, but you can slip in a pun like Iceman. Dad jokes. He's the coolest. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <Ugh. laughs> And then over in the world of Marvel Avengers Academy, we have a month-long faculty event kicking off. Uh, pretty much AIM, HYDRA, and Atuma join forces to go against uh, the Avengers Academy. It's not the Atuma. Okay, I got that right. Yes, I did it. <laughs> um, it's exciting. So pretty much thanks to Atuma, they, all the event buildings are submerged underwater. So it's cool that we have new aquatic-themed outfits, and the characters that we can recruit in this this game event include Odin, Nick Fury, Leader, Jarvis, Frigga, and Hank Pym. It's pronounced Hank Pym. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. (laughs) I'm just going to keep on interjecting after you pronounce things correctly. And then I'm just like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And that is it for games. (laughs) Uh, We're delirious today. Yeah, what? All right, all right, all right. So TV, over in the world of TV, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is Mm -hmm. back. Uh, This coming Tuesday. This coming Tuesday, 10, 9 central on ABC. Uh, And related to that, we also have a panel at WonderCon on Saturday, April 1st. So check that out. Um, If you happen to be, by the time you're listening to this, panel has probably already happened. But if you aren't and you're in Southern California, come on down to Anaheim. And stay tuned to the interwebs. We'll have more things hitting about S.H.I.E.L.D. tomorrow. We will? We will. We have an exclusive set to run right after our panel. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We do have something for you tomorrow. So you'll, you'll find it on the internet, marvel.com, um, and the likes. And then uh, 
Yes, this pod, this pod's very exciting. Of course, they're inside the framework. Colson's Hydra. a teacher. Hydra plan. runs the world. May's an agent of Hydra. Sky and Ward are like they're full on Sky Ward. Uh, well, <laughs> Daisy and Ward are full on. You get what I mean. Simmons is dead. Uh, what Fitz is looking dashing. Very. And uh, and Mac uh, Mac's living in a house that has a uh, little girl's bike in the front yard that he has to pick up. What's up with that? You know, just gotta think about all your your regrets and what that means. Yep, yep. The Ada has taken away one regret from each of their lives. She's and so kind. That is like a kindness. Yeah, yeah. In her own weird LMD mind, she's like, "This would be great." She wants them to live comfortably. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, we'll see how that turns out for everyone. Um, spoiler, probably not well. Um, <laughs> we, this week we saw the season finale of FX Legion. Yes, it'll it, be back for a season two in uh, in the sometime in the future. Yes, uh, so we could talk about the exciting ending. Yes, which I have not actually seen. I, I've not seen the episode so yet. I won't spoil it for you, even though you already know what it is. I know what it is. But, don't. but we won't spoil the reference. Yeah, listeners. we won't spoil, but it's a very, yeah. very exciting episode. Um, and then, what else do we have in the world of television? Netflix. You can still watch Marvel's Iron Fist exclusively on Netflix yes. if you haven't caught up. All episodes, if you haven't seen them yet. Mm-hmm. And in the world of film, uh, last week we had ten character posters. One for each of the Guardians, plus Yandu, Ego, Aisha... Mantis and Nebula. Yes, Nebula. <laughs> Nebula. Um, and we released a new preview for the film last Friday, mm-hmm. and tickets are now, now on sale, so you can get yeah, your tickets pre-ordered. for opening weekend. I already pre-ordered mine with a group of thirty people. You are a great employee. <laughs> um, uh, what else? What else is there? Spider-Man: Homecoming. Spider-Man: Homecoming. There's a new Spider-Man: Homecoming trailer. That's it's- right. Amazing. It is. It, hey, I see what you did there. You're just uh, you're just on point with the <laughs> bad puns today. Um, it is amazing, though. It it's really. I think it gives you a sense of what differentiates this version of Spider-Man in this film mm-hmm. from all the ones that have uh, come before. Um, it's great. You get to see a lot of the Vulture in action, yep. which given that the Vulture, when he first appeared in the comics, was this old wrinkly dude in a bird <laughs> suit. Yeah. You're like, how do you make that menacing and terrifying? And then you watch a trailer and you're like, oh, that's terrifying. That's yeah. terrifying. Um, Especially when he just casts a little Tom Holland aside. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is great to see. And uh, we had three, three, four Four posters? Three posters. Three posters. Three posters. We had a post, two two on Friday and one on Saturday. Yep. Uh, just sort of showing Spider-Man chilling, just, you know, on Avengers Tower, chilling on yep. a sign on the freeway, chilling, just listening to some tunes. No time for homework. On, on, the, uh, on the side of the river. Uh, <laughs> it's great. I'm really excited for this movie. I think it's going to be really great. Um, Tom Holland is just a gift that he we is, didn't deserve. He is, he is a great Peter Parker, <laughs> uh, as we've already seen in Civil War. Yep. And uh, this trailer has a lot more moments of Tony Stark. Yes, more Tony Stark, more Iron Man, um, because, of course, he will also be in the film. Yep, so it's a very techie trailer. Yes. 
Um, there's a great moment where, like, you see how he puts on the suit and it's, like, this big <laughs> floppy thing and then he just, like, taps his chest and it, like, becomes the suit. It's like, oh, that's awesome. I know. That, Tony's brain. No, no spandex for this guy. He's got some <laughs> high-tech, like, super suit. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, well, swells do we have going we on? We announce for Guardians Volume 2, uh... The real D 3D double feature. Oh, this is true. So, along with uh, tickets available, you can pre-order for select theaters that are participating. And when you watch it in real 3D, you get an exclusive poster as well as souvenir button set. Oh, and there's an exclusive IMAX poster. Yes. That we showed off that you can get at participating IMAX theaters. Pretty uh, much. We're giving you lots of gifts. All the gifts. We're like in exchange for your monies to come see our film. Uh, <laughs> it's for Oprah. <laughs> is that is that is that everything? That is everything. So after this, you guys will listen to me talk to the Marvel Animation guys and and gals about just what they can expect from season two of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Oh, right. Did I not say Marvel's again? No. Yeah. Uh, great, and then after that, we'll be back with uh, some of your comments. Questions and comments. And now welcome to This Week in Marvel, our very special guest! Hello, Marvelites. This is Senator Christine Din, and I am joined with an awesome panel from the Marvel Animation team. Harrison Wilcox, Director of Development and Production. Oh, yeah. Harrison got a promotion recently. Congrats. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Senior. I forgot that part. <laughs> uh, Marty Eisenberg, Supervising Producer of Guardians of the Galaxy. Margaret Scott, a Consultant on Guardians of the Galaxy. So we kicked off the Season 2 of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. Four, no, two weeks ago? Three. Three, yes. Three or four. Because we did two episodes in the first premiere of the hour block, and um, it's going to be an exciting time for you guys. Can you tell us about what went into the overarching premise of the season two? Um, well, we wanted to start big, so we started as big as you can get, which is a, uh, a team-up with the Avengers, but of course, Marvel being Marvel, it can't be a team-up before it's a fight. Um, so we had a great time um, coming up with just the reason. It's always got to be a misunderstanding with a Marvel battle, and it seemed like the natural thing is to uh, I can I can. It's not even a spoiler anymore because it's aired, but to have the Guardians try and rip off the Avengers for a good reason, of course. <laughs> well, this was exciting because it was the first time for the series where the Avengers and the Guardians met up for the first time. Uh, yeah. For this series, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did have um, uh, Thor made a number of appearances in season one, um, but we, yeah, we hadn't had the opportunity to go to Earth, um, and once we got there, we thought, well, let's stick around for a little bit and have some fun. Yeah, it was really awesome to see the dynamic from the Avengers and how they paired off with certain Guardians, um, especially the two thieves being with each other. Um, what else can you tell me about the dynamic between them? Well, we had a lot of fun with, like, Rocket and Captain Marvel, and we kind of... It's always really fun writing Guardians with Avengers, because the Avengers are good people, and the Guardians aren't. Um, and they can kind of sort of get under their skin, so it was... 
I really liked um, whenever we got to write like Quill and Captain America and like, Captain America actually being like a really good like we're gonna sit down and get a plan and then he like turns and Quill's already gone. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's nice to be able to use the Guardians to sort of needle the Avengers a little bit um, and, and get a little more humor out of that. Especially Drax when he's all like, you guys don't avenge at all. I thought I wanted to be in your team because you guys shouldn't be seeking like revenge. Yeah, that, that was actually one of the best lines yeah. was flee from the vengeance of the <laughs> Avengers. Yeah. But then uh, we kept going back and forth where, where it was not only there's no vengeance, but clearly you should call yourselves guardians. So it was, it was kind of interesting when you really think about it. The Guardians are more Avengers than the Avengers, and the Avengers are more Guardians than the Guardians. They somehow got the yeah. names switched at birth. <laughs> yeah, get on that, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I know that there's this big overarching premise, but especially with this coffee is in uh, the first couple episodes. What can you know, like viewers expect to see from this season? Well, I think what, what we, I wanted to do um, is differentiate this from season one, which was very much a treasure hunt for a specific thing, and we don't really find the thing until the end of the season. Um, I thought we'd invert that. We find the thing at the beginning of the season, and everything spins out from the thing. So um, it starts with the asteroid, we peel a layer off, and we discover the sarcophagus. Um, and without giving too much away, there will be other layers to peel off and other discoveries of things that are in that sarcophagus that will spin out all really all the way to the end of season two. You better believe it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you give us certain uh, people and millions that they meet along the way? Um, there will be a few beloved Marvel cosmic characters mm -hmm. that will show up and will make certain fans very happy. Uh, that's enough to get everyone tuning in every Saturday on Disney XD. <laughs> um, what else are you guys excited for this season? Um, well, I think we're, I'm excited to see a lot of those uh, vaguely mentioned characters. Uh, we have a really fun episode coming up that I think we can talk about a bit. Yes. <laughs> um, where, um, uh, and Harrison will cut me off if I can actually <laughs> say, can I say the name of the character? Have a giant squirt gun ready to go. <laughs> 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 um, so, uh, well, last season we introduced the Galactic Council, and one of the members of the Galactic Council was the Rigelian Grand Commissioner. Um, and we are bringing in probably the, the most uh, beloved Rigelian, if there is such a thing, <laughs> which is Tana Nal. Who is, who is a big player in the, uh, the Jack Kirby Thor books, um, where, uh, as we do with a lot of characters, we're sort of reimagining her. Um, and she has a very interesting relationship with, with Drax that we'll, uh, we'll get to see as it plays out. I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> yeah, so fans can tune in next Saturday on the, uh, April 8th. And the, t the title of the show, is, uh, the episode, is called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. So that sets the tone of what we can expect. Yeah, Tana's kind of the least Rigelian Rigelian <laughs> <laughs> that you can meet. <laughs> yeah, so as we were developing this story, uh, and I give Margaret a lot of credit for this, we, we um, sort of made up a lot of things about the, the Rigelians that um, we hadn't really thought about before. And I, I think we, um, they are a very interesting species uh, in, in what we came up with. And again, sort of dancing around. Uh, not giving too much away. Um, but yes, Tana is uh, not very much like the Grand Commissioner 
in uh, in ways that we'll see. What's what's interesting about this story is that uh, what Tana goes through in this episode is very much uh, uh, related to what Drax has gone through in the past and what Gamora has gone through in the past. So it actually becomes a really interesting dynamic between those three characters uh, as the episode plays out. That's awesome. So what can yeah we've reimagined her as a professional wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so what growth? Do we anticipate seeing from the Guardians individually and as a group? Since I know that you know we explore all these characters, um, what are the challenges that they're facing operating as a team and just growing as their characters? Uh, well, interestingly, since Drax does play a big part in this story that's coming up, I think we'll see sides of Drax um, that we haven't explored yet. Uh, in season one, they're further down this season. We'll little, learn a little more about his backstory, um, which uh, I think also deepens the character. Um, also this season, we're going to see a lot of Groot's backstory. We're, we're definitely looking at where we started with these characters in the short season one and sort of looking at their origin stories and exploring uh, their who they are and their pasts a little bit more this season. That's awesome. Well, it's nice, too, because Gamora kind of gets to, like, she's someone who's we have explored a lot of her past. She kind of gets to move forward a little more in this season and kind of um, adjust her relationships to certain people who shall remain nameless. <laughs> um. Well, the, the other interesting thing is uh, I'm thinking there's a number of episodes uh, where the Guardians mentor different characters yeah. because of different circumstances. So we get to see them in that role of the quote-unquote responsible adult, which is a role that none of them are terribly like, comfortable Peter with. Quill isn't a responsible <laughs> Yeah, well, as I say, they're neither comfortable with <laughs> that role nor terribly good at that role. So um, it's a side of the Guardians that, again, we haven't, haven't seen before. But it also kind of gets a chance to highlight, I think, one of the nicest things about the Guardians, which is the Guardians are really genuine people. And so when they're kind of pushed up against the wall um, or when they're confronted with something that's just way bigger than themselves, they kind of sort of lead with like their hearts on their sleeves and that gets them through. And it's been kind of really nice getting, being able to put them in these interesting situations where they are both completely unprepared for this situation and the worst people to be this situation, but also kind of the best people because they know who they are and they're really unapologetic about it. So. Yeah, well, that's what I, I love about the characters in general is, is the flaws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not always out to do good. <laughs> they're the most relatable. <laughs> I think so. Um, so I know that we don't always often get a chance to talk to the writers. So can you tell us, um, you know, how do you approach this? Like, how do you get from what, you know, getting greenlit for the next season to see, like, What's the process getting it to like, what fans see when they tune in on Disney XD? Well, it's very much a collaborative process. And um, to take it from really the beginning of the season, I, I would throw the microphone back to Harrison because uh, Harrison is really key in getting the concept of the season down. Yeah, in, in the particular case of this season, uh, we had some uh, directives come down from... Uh, Court Lane and, and Steve Wacker, what uh, what they thought we should touch upon in a season two. Uh, and so uh, Marty and I and Marigrid got together and we talked and uh, sort of figured out, you know, what the big overall thing was 
and then how do we break that down into arcs, uh, and, and that sort of goes all the way down to uh, individual episodes. In the case of this season, once we had a general idea of what we wanted to do, uh, Marty uh, came in and uh, had a, a good conversation with uh, Joe Casada and Steve and Court, uh, and we sort of uh, threw some ideas at them, and Joe had some, uh, some ideas and some, some thumbs up for us there. Uh, and so that's where we sort of started from season two. Uh, and then we, uh, you know, with the rest of our writers uh, uh, and Marty and Merigrid leading the charge, we uh, started having summits and broke down the, the stories episode by episode. That's awesome. So what happens in like a summit for, um, for fans who don't really know? <laughs> um, well, basically it's a, it's a story summit where um, we bring together uh, Harrison, uh, generally, Steve Wacker is in the room, uh, me and Marigrid, and then the freelance writers who will be writing. Um, usually we try to break four to six stories, so we get a good chunk of them approved right there in the room. Um, and it's sort of a massive two-day free-for-all <laughs> where um, uh, Marigrid and I will prepare prior to it and we'll come up with um, springboard premises for individual episodes. We'll have a little back and forth with uh, with Harrison over it, and we'll come in um, with a general idea of, of what the individual episodes will be, but then we start to put them on a whiteboard, and we talk around the room, and we figure out each beat, and things can either go very smoothly, and we go through <laughs> it exactly as we thought it would be. Um, or or it's a writing knife fight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or we'll, you know, we'll get thrown a curveball and, and we'll talk it through in the room or something that we hadn't thought of, some, some logic point or uh, some, some reason that we can't use a certain character or, or do a certain story. Uh, and we have to do a lot of thinking on our feet. And uh, Harrison will take it from here. Yeah, and the great part about uh, the way Marvel... Uh, does that uh, is that there are no real surprises after the summit. The writers and the executives uh, are all on the same page. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Joe Posada, Court, and Steve, and everyone uh, are, are aware and a part of the process so that when we uh, have scripts and records and animatics and final episodes, uh, everyone is uh, on the same page, which is uh, very valuable from a storytelling perspective. That's awesome, especially since this is an exciting year for Guardians. We have a feature film coming out, the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout rides opening up in, I think, a month and a half. Court Lane wrote it six <laughs> times six in stuff. a row and <laughs> not get sick. <laughs> and Ryan Gallego. They made it through all six times. Props to them. Yeah. Um, I know when I went to go see like the press junket, they were showing all the different ride dynamics. And I was just like, I feel like I'm going to be terrified because you... Um, well, it was called the Tower of Terror before. <laughs> yeah. So. But this one is like, because, um, you know, for Tower of Terror, you have like a minute and a half, two minutes of story before you have all the drops. This one is a sequence where it can happen right when you come in or like you just don't anticipate what the, um, the different sequences are. But it's also set to a different tune every ride. Yeah, I never actually got on Tower of Terror. I missed it, but <laughs> I'm really excited for this ride, for sure. Yeah. 
I'm super nervous they're gonna make a ride because the, the drop rides <laughs> are like the most terrifying for me. And so when we heard like about the ride, we were like, yay! And they're like, it's the Tower of Terror ride. And I'm like, oh, we're gonna have to ride this now. The next, so. the next time we interview Marty and Marigrid, we should do a on, the <laughs> on the ride. On the ride, absolutely. On the ride. I'm I'm there. You I'm there. do not have enough bleeps in the. <laughs> no, but I have enough barf bags. <laughs> so the first time I wrote it. Um, I wrote it with someone from our gym, uh, with Mary Rebecca too, with Mel Kylo, and I totally just got really scared that I ended up screaming, but I screamed into his arm and then bit him. <laughs> so I was like, um... Okay, now officially everyone I know knows Mel. Everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, everyone knows Mel. I don't know Mel. Well, he has a barbecue that trends on Twitter. Yeah, you need so. to <laughs> I guess I need to beat him. Yeah, well, um, you know, at most cons that we are all at, they're always at the booth next to us for for boom publishing. But yeah, and then you can meet them and then go to these barbecues. I love how you glossed over the most important part, which is we really shouldn't ride this ride next to you, or we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last time I went on it before the ride was closing, I was all like, how do you strap me in where I won't have any height? Because my, my roommate, she would try to unbuckle her belt, or at least like remove it so that she could have heights when she like, it would drop. Like that was she her. wanted to like catch wow. air. Yeah, <laughs> like her and her whole family would do that, and I was like, nope. She got on airplanes too. Like. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, I'm just gonna strap in really tightly so that I don't move. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a good year for Guardians, and especially with for the series. I know that the schedule is that we'll have no breaks. It's actually playing out consistently at week and weekend. Yeah, that's Turn great. In. It's gonna be an awesome season. We got a lot of fun tricks up our sleeves, a lot of fun new characters that are familiar with the Marvel Universe that I haven't seen before, and uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So where can fans find you guys on social media? Um, you can find me on Twitter at at Marigrid Scott, M-A-I-R-G-H-R-E-A-D. <laughs> You're making it easy for people. I try. I, try. <laughs> I really try. It's just a heck of a name. There's um, a Margaret Scott in like, Wisconsin that gets all this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and on Tumblr at um, M. Scott writes. <coughs> the, the advice I always give for pronouncing Margaret's name is think of it as Margaret with a really heavy Scottish accent. <laughs> it's Margaret. That's awesome. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, so I'm kind of anti-social media. Okay, so can you keep it on lockdown? Um, yeah, I don't have I don't have a fan page. Um, mostly, if, uh, if you're going to friend me on Facebook, I have to know you. So, okay. so pretty much, just watch the episodes to get to know you. We actually hid Marty's home address in this episode. <laughs> yeah. If you look closely, there's one frame. <laughs> And his social security social number. Social security number, <laughs> right. Bank Picture, account number. Pictures of my children. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. It's all there in the episode. Harrison, you have a, you have a Twitter account, don't you? I do. Uh, it's Harrison Wilcox. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> so, thank you guys you so much for joining us. <laughs> yeah, ask me any questions you want. Everyone send Steve Wacker the questions. I can answer questions, too. Exactly. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Take care.
And we're back. We're doing a special West Coast edition of Questions and Comments. Why, you ask? Well, remember earlier when I couldn't get my act together to get a host for the, uh, to get someone from the games team to help talk to games with us, talk about games with us? Also couldn't get my act together enough to read Twim URC yet this week or get Frank Thierry. So uh, hopefully that will be next week. Um... Well, I, I, I'm just being honest here. Like, I, this is just me. I'm a hot mess. Christine does most of the work. Did you know that uh, Ben has the listeners tag them if we don't get a guest and to call us out? <laughs> Great. Cool. All right. Fantastic. I love how he, he has the fans do that. Like, he, he hasn't actually listened to it to see if we've gotten a guest. He's yeah. Like, Thanks, Ben. Thanks. Um, all right. So, uh, first up, uh, at Ref Gemlin asks, are we ever going to see Avengers Assemble Season 3, Ultron Revolution, come to iTunes UK? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I can ask our uh, distro people about that and see if there's any information we can get you. Um, at Andy Bates says, directed at me, at Strami, <laughs> I've been listening to a old This Week in Marvel podcasts. I've saved up some consonants that I can ship you whenever. <laughs> For your information, I can talk perfectly well as a real human being if I really try. Hard, really try hard. This is too. This is too painful. I'm just gonna go back to just cutting out all my anterior consonants all the time. So at Simon Sebs says Simon Simon Sebs says, uh, you know what, the, Simon Sebs, the next viewer from you, and I have consonant problems, and I'm not going to say Simon Sebs says. Over again. Uh, <laughs> it goes without saying, I was very happy and excited by that last page of Black Panther number 12. Mm-hmm. I have not caught up on Black Panther yet. Not, not going to lie about that either. It's uh, sad. It's the last last uh, issue. No, it's not. Or the arc, isn't it? It's the last issue of the arc. Yeah. Yeah, but we've got another arc coming up. I thought we didn't. No, there's there's uh, uh, the the Avengers of the World or something it's called, I think. Oh. And Tanahisi is still on it and come on, keep up, keep up. You know what you said Black Panther and I heard Black Widow. Oh yep, nope, Black Widow, we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, but yes, that was issue twelve was the last issue of that series. Um, normally I like comics to have a lot of action. Hulk number four and Black Panther number twelve show you don't always need it to be great. Very mm-hmm. true. Uh, although brief, I did enjoy the interactions between Storm and Lunella in Moon Girl number 17. I could see Aurora in a big sister ant role in this book. Um, yeah, I can see that dynamic yeah. between those two. Uh, and aren't the killer folks still running around Yancey Street? Is that going to be addressed again, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? No, not not gonna not gonna lie. Um, have, have not read a bunch of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, so I I will I will say yes, no, and maybe. I shared an article this morning that our writer Sarah Cook posted on Moon Girl's mentors, so you can read that little easy infographic to keep up with all the people who have come into Luanella's life and mentored her and gave her life lessons. 
All right. Yeah. You should have answered the questions about <laughs> Moon Girl because clearly you at least know something about what you're talking about. And I'm just like, She's wubba just, flubba. Just charming. Wubba flubba. What's a consonant? <laughs> I, like you. I like you as a co-host more than the Wolfman because you laugh at me in my jokes. Patrick would just roll his eyes and sigh at my corny jokes, but for some reason they go over with you. I'll take it. Uh, wait, you got more comments. Oh, at uh, This is from Jody at Tolkien, Tolkien Fan Forever. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Homecoming, Ragnarok, shut up and take my halfling currency. Halfling? What's, is halfling? Is that a Tolkien thing? Yes. His hashtag is fellowship is dope. Uh, what what's halfling? It's like their race. Oh, I suppose I can't make fun of you for <laughs> not understanding a, a, an obscure <laughs> reference to a movie that's forty-seven years old and only <laughs> our grandparents have seen in Love Story. When I'm like, "Wubba flubba, what's a Tolkien?" <laughs> that's gonna be my new catchphrase. <laughs> this is why we don't do the questions and comments section. Wubba flubba, what's a catchphrase? Uh, this is from the next couple. Is from Kelsey at Pipster721. Sure, there's a place for gritty realism, but I'm into Marvel because of the mind-blowing superpowers and escapism. This is all in reference to Iron Marvel's Iron Fist on Netflix. That's why Iron Fist is so great to me. A visible, badass power that distracts me from the problems of the world. Sure, the other defenders in realism have their place, but too often, real equals depressing. And I get enough of that day to day. Yeah, Christine gets enough of that day-to-day, too, walking in to deal with me every day. Oh, wubba flubba? Well, some days you're not here. That's true. (laughs) I go to set not actually to do the session, not actually to do my job, but to to just be merciful and my coworkers. They're like, thank God, one day without him. Then we have uh, from Robert at Capstone. Rogers, 44. Black Widow, 12 was an amazing ending. It's an unbelievable run by Mark Wade and Chris Sammy. Thank you both for the journey. Agreed. I have not actually read issue 12 yet, but that is a series I keep up with month to month, and it is great. That's just going to be one where I just always recommend. Uh, We have a comment from Joshua Cooper at CMDR Socket. Who do we have to talk to get Glob on the X-Men Blue Team? That would be great. Do you know? Do you know who Glob is? I do not. Glob. Is, oh wait, maybe. Glob. Is, Glob's the uh, big like ectoplasmic guy, then isn't I he? Do. With with the I skeleton, do. and I think that's Glob. If that's Glob, I'm gonna make this happen for you. I have no authority <laughs> to make this happen, and no say whatsoever. Um, but you know what? Hell, let's just go with it. Yep. <laughs> All your comments and questions, I will make them all happen. That is a Strami guarantee. How much is a Strami guarantee worth, Christine? <laughs> we should add, uh, you should add at Agent M and Ben Morse and see what a, how, how much your your promises are worth. <laughs> yes, yes. Please, please, please reply to Agent M and Ben Morse and be like, so this Strami fellow, just how trustworthy is he? Let's see, let's see what they come back with. Also from Joshua Cooper, love the last page of Hulk 4. Really conveys the bigness of the thing that Jen is up against. Mm -hmm. Wait, Jennifer Walters is the Hulk? Wubba flubba? (laughs) 
Uh, she's an amazing Hulk. She's dealing with a lot of things. and But really I bet she isn't a totally awesome Hulk. Wubba flubba? No. She, she is. She's awesome in her own way. They're probably not totally awesome in the way Yeah, that, because the other book is called yeah. Totally Awesome Hulk. Flubba. There's more shenanigans in the other one. Shenanigans? <laughs> and then... Couple more comments from Robert at Cap Rogers forty four. Steve Rogers has gone from world's greatest hero to its most devastating enemy, and Nick Spencer made it make sense. Nick Spencer does it again with Captain America Steve Rogers fourteen. Secret Empire is looming large, just waiting for the turn. Yes, I'm catching up on uh, Spencer's Captain America run right now, and it's pretty, pretty. Good. Yeah, we got some uh, nifty books. Um, so that's all right. it. Reply to everyone on this podcast, <laughs> letting them know how awesome <laughs> Marvel West Coast question comments is. Yeah. And be like, hey, let's get that Wubba Flubba guy <laughs> back on there more. We want some more Wubba Flubba. You want I'm more gonna make sound Wubba, bites. I'm going to make Wubba Flubba stick. Wubba Flubba, this is your universe. Mm-hmm.